is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Let's get it going, guys. So, what is happening today? We have David Patterson, one of the freaking OG car YouTubers. That dude in blue. So they say. Yeah, you've <laughs> yeah. been freaking at it forever, man. Forever. Done all forms of driving, driven all forms of cars, everything you can imagine he's been behind the wheel of. And he's got quite a few project cars of his own that are at various stages of <laughs> yeah. who's messing them up this dude, time. <laughs> for real, man. But, um,. What has been your kind of favorite era of YouTube? It's been through, I feel like it's been through so much Ooh. in the last 10 years. Car, you, automotive YouTube. We're not talking about. Automotive yeah. YouTube. Because it's been through so much change and so many different levels. And, you know, it used to be when me and Gareth first started, it was like, if you had a C7, that was stock. Yeah. You were, you were doing well. You were the guy. You were cool on YouTube. Now it's like, ah. He's got a Lambo that's twin turbo, meh. Which is crazy. <laughs> like, here's an example. Like, there's a very specific video that I reference, which I think is a turning point in how people perceive horsepower. And it's actually from a really long time ago. It was when Kyle and the guys went to TX2K12, and there's this white Supeligera and a yellow Supeligera, and they dog this, like, 1,600-horsepower Supra. And the way... That whoever filmed that clip, like the the Superleggera is like brake boosting in a slingshot and it looks like a freaking cartoon because yep. it's so fast. And that's when I felt like the street racing scene too just changed so much because it was like, okay, now you need an R35 or a or whatever to try and keep up. And but man, I'm getting sidetracked, but I would say a really juicy good time was probably like 2015. I really enjoy that era because that's when a bunch of people in our circle really started getting momentum. Mm -hmm. And it was very exciting for everybody. Um, I consider that one of my best career years because um, there's this very memorable day. I've told it a million times, but I'll nutshell it. Basically, it was the first day I reviewed exotic cars, right? And I had never driven exotic cars my whole life. And so it had this moment where, look, this is a gift to myself. I'm not always going to film exotic cars, but then I got to drive a 918, right? That's when I was like, holy smokes, I'm doing something with my life and people get it and they yeah. understand it. And I remember even saying in that video going, this is not normal. Like, this is for me. And thankfully the video did pretty well. Um, but I went right back to my roots of tuner cars and muscle cars and people things that people can relate to normal more, vehicles yeah yeah, yeah but that was like, one of those days where i was like what i'm i'm this is special youtube is special you get amazing opportunities and you know tj was growing a lot at the time i remember i met tj at sema in 2014 mm -hmm. and he was just a kid asking for advice right and now he's huge and it's and then adam i met i think in 2015 too so it's one of those things where 2015 is like when all these roads met and then everybody diverted because if you look at 
and I'm not being Was nurse. that about the time, just for reference, that AdSense started to really pick up? I, I don't know. Like I mean, 13, I went, I would say, so to give people perspective, I'll make it quick. But back in the day, um, to be a part of the YouTube partner program, you kind of had to apply like a job. There was no just check the box. Yeah. You had to send in a form and be like, hey, I want to try to do this thing and make money on YouTube. And then they would say yes or no. I got denied like two or three times. Um, and they basically their reasoning was I wasn't uploading enough. And really? at the time, I think statistically, I remember the statistic in 2011, you had a one one in five hundred thousandth chance of making it on YouTube as a professional, quote unquote. Yeah. And at the time, there was like a new show like Philip DeFranco and then there was Ray Ram Johnson and like all these different spinoff comedy shows. That's what really like Smosh, they all dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no automotive individuals. Like there was Motor Trend and Drive and Matt Farah, and he was doing great. But there was no like young people driving cool modified cars because Top Gear beat into everybody's head that we don't review modified cars because they break. Like we just don't do that. And I was like, well, maybe I'll be that guy. Yeah, you I'll know? give this a try. I'll, I'll be that guy. And then I learned real quick why a big production doesn't do that. Um, but lo and behold, I applied over and over and over again, and then I was in the middle of film school in, like, 2012 and 2013. I realized I didn't want to work on film sets anymore. I was like, this kind of sucks. I just want to make stuff. And then I told my parents I wanted to try to do this YouTube thing full-time. Very, very oversimplified. And then I applied. Thankfully, I got the partner program. But in order to really grow, you're making pennies on the dollar. You're making nothing. Um, you, I basically worked for free for almost three years and I just did like side things. Um, but I lived back home with my parents to make it happen. Yeah. Um, it's not like today where somebody could grind for a year and see some results back then. It was, I hope this works and maybe it will, maybe it won't. Yeah. You weren't really looking at like a huge amount of people that were doing it. And explaining it to people yeah. was the worst thing ever. My cheat code was, I'm a videographer for Google. That's what I would say. Unfortunately, yeah. I think it's gotten worse, though, because if you tell somebody you're a YouTuber, they're like, oh, my son has a YouTube. Like, my 10-year-old son also has one. You must like, be rich. Like, uh, that's another thing, too. They yeah. just assume that you're a big baller, right? And it's a tough one. It's a tough yeah. thing to explain no matter what. Yeah. And I live a comfortable life, but I don't live a baller life, right? And to explain to that, I think another thing, too, is a million subscribers doesn't mean a million dollars. I think that's another thing, too, people get convoluted, is that subscriber count anymore is more of a flex number. It doesn't really apply to your viewership like it used to because they changed the homepage to recommended. Mm -hmm. So if you tell people this, they go, oh, wow, I don't even check the other tab because – your human instinct just to open it the algorithms have become so good that people assume they're on their sub page and yeah yeah and plus the bell i hate the bell Mm -hmm. so much it was introduced in 2016 and since my channel that this is a theory but i'm pretty sure it's right due to some data evidence but I'm pretty sure my channel in 2016 just went through the ringer because that's when 2015, late 2016, whenever the bell was introduced, my ancient YouTube channel just didn't know what was happening. Yeah. Right. And so I had a whole bunch of people saying, how come I can't find your videos anymore? And it's like, did you click the bell? They're like, what's that? Why do I have to subscribe for a third time? Because, you know, get that, then that. Do these things. Jump through these hoops. It's proven good for new YouTubers especially. Um, 
what I've noticed that I'm not saying becoming a YouTuber is easy anymore, but more people are on the website and that's a huge difference. Yeah. When I was on it, there wasn't a lot of people on the website. So there's this weird caveat of oversaturation versus yep. no saturation. Well, it's like the largest search engine in the world. Yeah. It's that's literally what Google has made it. And Google has a good philosophy of they want to make as many people making a living off of YouTube as possible, which is wild. They're not trying to push like one or two people up to the top. They're trying to make as many people make a living off of it as humanly possible, which is a really interesting business model. I don't know what they consider a living. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) To me, it was always in the beginning. I was like, can I pay rent, food, car payment? Yeah. Because Smurf was a car payment, right? And yep. um, I traded in an 06 three valve. And um, for that, I just used that car as the down payment and then did all that. And I was like, okay, well, people seem to like this car, so got to keep it going. <laughs> I look at things like gaming channels and I'm like, man, you have no overhead. None. Like, none. You they bought their PC. <laughs> they did it. Well, I, I think there's a double edged sword with that because at one point, there's, I had three different paths of what I wanted to be as a YouTuber. One was uh, like a more of a movie reviewer because I went to film school, like movies. Yep. Go to the movie theater, watch it, seven buck ticket, and then film your review. Yeah. Done. You're Very in your cheap. room. Two, believe it or not, I'm like a huge history nut. Like I love history. So I was going to make kind of – I was going to try to make like a fun history channel because nobody had really done that. Yep. And um, and then Crash Course came along, which if you haven't seen it, it's genius and it, and oversimplified. That is the best history channel probably ever made. It's little animations, and he just breaks things down really mm-hmm. funny and entertaining. And then the third one was Cars, but I felt like I wasn't educated enough at the time to do it. Uh, but all of my other channels failed. It wasn't until I did my first car video that it had some traction Oh no! And yeah. oh, lol. Oh, there and, you go. That's yeah, a good one. and I was like, oh my god! I, but as soon as I had any viewership whatsoever, I leaned into it. Right? Mm. I, I think a lot of people they don't experiment enough, and they get stuck. They'll be like, "How come my channel is not growing?" I'm like, "Well, have you tried other things?" They go, "Well, no." I'm like, "What are you passionate about?" They go, well, "I like." jet skis i'm like you should do a video on your jet ski and of course that's like the thing that blows up yeah it's never the video you think is going to blow up never for me anyway it's always the ones where i'm like man i guess this is cool or whatever and then of course that's the one people love have you ever had to return a forgotten bag of adult play toys to a pair of sweet old grandparents or have you spent your summer cleaning up protein spills at an amusement park How about going to work every day in a flea-infested casino? Hopefully you haven't, but our guests have. Welcome to the Insiders Podcast. Each episode, we bring you an explicit account from a hotel and hospitality industry insider. To listen to these stories and more, go to theinsiders.com to subscribe. That's the Insiders, I-N-N-S-I-D-E-R-S.com. Yeah, that's a weird thing. I've, I've always noticed that, even when I was with Gary, we would always talk about that, like, the one that you spend so much time and energy and trying so hard, you edited it your best you can. And then suddenly it's the one that you filmed five minutes hastily as yeah. a joke that blows up. Yep. Because it's painful. Yeah. Because I, I like YouTube. This sounds so cold. This sounds so like self-centered, but I feel I coined this phrase. It was like the more passionate you are about a video project, the worse it does. And 
it's one of those things where I never try to let my hopes get up too much. But nowadays, the game is thumbnails and titles. It's not even the content anymore. And yeah. that is really tough. I'll be fully transparent. That's my hardest part. Like, I know I can make competent videos. I know I can edit them well. I know I can do all that. It's getting people in the door. And compared to what I was able to used to do, was just like, here's the car. This is what I did. Mm-hmm. I can't do that anymore. It doesn't work. And then I have to put tax all over it and do all this silly stuff. And then all of a sudden you see the numbers go back up and you're like, all right, you got to do this. And I think before we move on, I want to bring up this. I feel as though the day we did the second beater car trip with Freddie and we were at the firm. Yep. And I saw you guys pull up and Garrett walks out with a GoPro and a stick I felt like that was a huge turning point for YouTube. Really? This is my point of view because to me at the time, the biggest YouTube channels on, um, or at least automotive on YouTube had to have some form of it's subjective quality. Right. And, and there was daily vlogging. There was, but there wasn't really that in the auto industry, right? You still had to have some sense of professionalism. Like, yeah, I was as loosely associated with that, I think as possible, but I remember going, I'm doing this shit all wrong. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, well, I'm spending all this I time. I think people were worried about being taken seriously. Right. By like OEM. Yep. And car journalist was this like cool club. It's a cool word to say. I'm a journalist, but even the journalists now think that they're still in this cool club of people. That's 100% accurate. And I'm like, some of these guys need to relax. I call myself one sometimes. Um, but I'm in this weird gray area because you're a YouTuber. You're not like the, you're not the normal journalist type. Yeah, I would say so because if I do work with an OEM, I I'll say journalist just to make it clear if they don't understand. Of course. But when it comes to when people go, "So what what kind of videos do you make?" I'm like, "I make cool videos about cars on YouTube." It's it's very mm-hmm. simple. Uh but yeah, I remember when I freaking pit maneuvered Garrett in the in, in the Lincoln Town car. Oh yeah, that was a fun trip. He got out. Oh, it was so awesome! I want to do one of those again. Yeah, and because uh, those are just great for the. Memories. We need you, Freddy. I know. We need your logistics skills. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, Freddy time. Yeah. And, um, just I'll make it quick. Freaking, he yeah, calls me. Podcast. You don't I know, have to make but, it that quick. No, but I think it's almost funnier when I make it quick. Okay. He calls me out of the blue in 2016 and goes, "Hey, man." Oh, yeah, ours was 2017. He calls me in 2016 and goes, hey, man, fly to Jacksonville, Florida. Don't even ask a question. I go, okay, and I didn't even think about it. So I fly to Jacksonville, Florida. He shows up in a rolled-over, roofed, caved-in Isuzu Rodeo with no windows, all busted out, and I throw my luggage through a broken window. I'm like, so what are we doing? He goes, we're buying you a car. And then we just started. And it's funny, that was also a lesson in, just because one channel posts a certain kind of content in the automotive world, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to do good on yours. So what I noticed with the beater trips, it was much better on Garrett's and Rob's. Yeah. Mine really struggled. I don't know what it was, but a lot of my audience was like, oh, you're abusing a car that somebody could have had. But I'm like, you are going to buy it. Yeah. That car, it, I remember the Lincoln Town car ad said, posted, posted like two years ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're not buying this thing. Yeah, that vehicle was bad. We like dragged it out. It and drove in had Daytona to go put Beach's in. water, and yeah. it, it just kept going. That was the, the lone survivor. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, that was a bad that. 
I wonder now if with the different algorithm, though, would it do better because the algorithm would have brought the people that watched mm-hmm. Ferretti's and Garrett's to your channel, whereas before it right. wasn't smart enough to do that. That's a good that's a really good way to put it, because I remember this is also another turning point. I remember Garrett texting me. He was like, hey, man, I see that your videos are struggling with this. Can I make you a thumbnail or title? I oh, said, yeah. sure. And all of them tanked even worse. And he's like, I just don't understand. I'm like, I'm telling you, I don't understand. Yeah. Like, if people think I'm an expert, a thumbnail type, I'm not. That's why you see YouTubers nowadays change them sometimes because yeah. you have nothing to really lose anymore. Back in the day, your thumbnail title was the law. Like, you do not change it. But now the algorithm can handle it if you just do subtle changes to it. As long as it, excuse me, as long as it's like the same topic. Yep. It's fine. Me and my wife even go back and forth. I'll post one and I'm like, this is the title. And she'll be like, if it's not five out of ten, change it to mine and we'll see if it does better. Right. And we'll like kind of go back and forth like that sometimes. That's my kind of fun. Six or five. OK. Do they know the ranking system thing? I don't know. It's I mean, the worst psychological thing YouTube has ever done. Yeah. They tell opinion. you how your video stacks up to the last it ten sucks. you posted. Yeah. So you suck. You're always trying to get number one. Yeah, if if I hit two or three, I'm satisfied. I usually know where it's going to land. See, I have no idea. I usually have a pretty good idea. Every time I hit upload, I have no idea what's going to happen. And that's been a real mental struggle for me because like, it, it got to this weird certain point right when they added the ranking system. And to make it clear for people who have never seen it, they also put a very passive-aggressive phrase along with the ranking. Yeah, They'd they like, do. Yeah, People ain't washing your stuff. It yep. sucks. It kind of like, it sucks, dog. Don't do this again. And uh, that's not exactly what it sounds like, but if that's how you feel. And there's a certain time in my career that, like, I was scared to hit upload or, or go public. Like, I was like, I love the video that I made, but I'm scared of how it's going to do. And people might find that weird, but I think the, the roughest thing about my stuff has always been my channel, and this is not me not me complaining. It's just how it is. My channel is very inconsistent because I experiment a lot with content, right? I'll experiment with different cars. I'll experiment with yeah. different events. And that's how I kind of throw darts at a board and be like, what do people like? What people, do people don't know like? what they're going to get. They have no idea. And the thing is, is sometimes it's a bad thing. And they go, eh, well, that doesn't really look like a video David would make. So they don't really see it or they're just not interested. And thankfully, I have to say, I have one of the nicest audiences on YouTube. They really? will be very, very constructive with me. Um, and I remember I created this rule for myself is like, read the comments like the first 30 minutes to an hour because you're going to get two things. You're going to get people who are really supportive, two, which could be an echo chamber and that's dangerous, two, constructive criticism. Somebody goes, you know, I wasn't really feeling this. Try this next time. You're not going to get the, this sucks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you, and because right after that first hour, that's when that starts showing up. Like people yep. who don't know you. And to me, that doesn't add value. Um, now, I know some people might be like, wait, you don't read all the comments? I'm like, no, no. Because that's just too much time wasted to move on to the next video. Yep. I read a lot of mine, and I think I get a very harsh audience because I'm also doing something competitive. Yeah. So I can suck at what I'm doing yeah. very easily. I often do. And I'm also, I'm very hard on myself. And I think people, like, I, yeah. I'm usually the butt of my own jokes. 
So I'm super competitive, agree. so I understand. People like they they get in on it. Like when I'm oh, the butt no. of my own joke, so now I'm the butt of everybody's joke, which I'm okay with. I have thick enough skin. I've been doing this long enough. At least you know enough. that, right? It's I've been nice. doing this long enough. You're not going to scare me or like be mean to me enough where I'm going to go crawl under my bed and yeah. hide. No, that's another thing that people should know is those first few times like you get assaulted, like basically, it's going to feel weird because you're going to be like, should I be mad? Yeah. Should I not? And, you know, that if we bring it back to like 2011, when I was sharing stuff on forums, dude, roasted. I saw, I got it's called. A very faceless. There's like four different insults that I literally cannot say on this podcast that I was, that I was called. Really? Yeah, like, it was so bad. Like, so you would just like film your videos and then you would try to put them on the forum that connected to them. I would, I was at the time, like there's no grassroots marketing right, strategy. There was no true way to share your videos. Like, not, Facebook would bury it because it, it was a YouTube link. So there's yep. no point. But Reddit, uh, there was another one. Dig. Yeah, Dig was around. Yeah. I shared on Dig. I shared on, um, like just yeah, forums, especially like local forums. Oh man, oh man, that was a mistake. Cause it would just dude, just be people wailing on me for like three hours. I'm like, okay, never again. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the forum is just a it's kind of a dying art, unfortunately. So it's it's definitely cooked. I mean, unfortunately though, Facebook doesn't do good enough with searching. <laughs> So yeah. if you're looking for an answer on your car, you can Google it and a forum would find would yep. be found. Yep. But now you have to like find the group and somehow search it and then read through comments or join of people the group, attacking get each requested. other. Yeah. It's a tough deal to try to find answers now unless they're answered a while ago on a forum. The forums they were pretty good. Does Zuck kind of ruin the forum? Yeah, I mean the the forums though, I, I made like a silly joke on my um I did a video in, uh, I think it was October. It's just so funny. I was just, I, so what I do is like my process. Cause yeah, I, a lot of people don't realize like I do everything right. I film it, I edit it, yep. I write it. If I need to write it, I usually do it off the cuff. But, um, for this one, I wrote it. It was, uh, the car culture documentary I did in October. And I did a comparison between the year 2012 and 2022. And I was super proud of it. Got a million views. So thank you everybody. But what was really fascinating was people in the comments going, what's a forum? <laughs> like there was a few people going, what is it? And I had, yeah. a, I had a joke in that video where I said, you know, when you'd go on the forum, ask a question, oh, stupid, it's already in this thread. You should have gone here. And then you yeah. just get roasted for five minutes before finally finding the answer. And it was somebody like, could have answered by now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, yeah, man, this gets asked all the time. Here it is. I wonder if people would be less combative now because there's so many other places to attack each other. I know. You can go on Twitter and attack each other all day. Yeah. Maybe the forums would be less bloody. Yeah. Maybe they would, um... Cause, Maybe. Because that was where you used to have to go to get so, your anger out. Or 4chan. Yeah. Blow out your anger on a forum instead of, like, Facebook or Instagram Bro. or Twitter's a fun one. Dude, like... 4chan was wild i mean it is still wild and i i used it as a kid and it was bananas i never spent too much time on there sometimes i'll get like a link for like a conspiracy or something that's always fun oh yeah no it was it was a really easy place to like go down the rabbit hole yeah but what i really admired about that freaking weird community because you know that weird hacking group 
anonymous came out of there yeah. right? and all that stuff did. Um, but the main thing was, I don't know if you heard about the whole, um, this is just an example, the whole Shia LaBeouf thing with the flag. Did you ever hear about this? So should I put my conspiracy hat on? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Do it. Okay. Just in okay, case. Okay. So, all right. I, I mean, wanna, if you're talking about 4chan, I want to be very clear. This hat. is not a political argument, but there was politics involved. Okay. So hat on. here we go. So Shia LaBeouf, the actor, didn't like that Trump got elected. So he goes, I'm going to do this art piece where I put up a flag that says he will not divide us. You know, like, you know, it won't divide the people. Yeah. And he put it on a webcam and he live streamed it for four years. Like that was the plan where he, he put it in the middle of nowhere and 4chan got together and geolocated it and took it down and they put a MAGA hat in its nice. place. But the way they did it was they used trigonometry. The internet doing internet Dude, they things. used trigonometry. They used the constellations. They did all this tracking and it was just, it just shows like they should be doing something else. You yeah. know, it's one of those things where there's so many smart people on there that would just waste their time. Have you ever seen that guy that does the geo mapping stuff? Yeah, in like, and he third, can like three seconds. Instantly. Dude, it's so fascinating. That guy is a legend at that. I tried playing it a little bit. I was not terrible, but man, that guy is freaking on it. And he he, he admits it a lot of the time. He's like, these are just kind of educated guesses. Like, And he gets it almost every day. He's like, yeah, they paint the lines this way. Yeah, yeah they do like the lampposts this way. only grows in this yeah, country. I'm like, alright, relax, dude. But imagine, like, that's your hobby. You know, so if you see it like us, like, where we dump all our time into that, yeah. that's his game. That's his video game. And I guess it's somewhat useful if you traveled or got kidnapped. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, know where I am. The police need to hire him or something, you know, FBI. I can take off my We're all good now. We're all good now. Yeah, we got the guy. He knows where everything is. <laughs> so the car community has obviously changed a lot. Um, it's... It's in a weird it's in a weird spot right now where horsepower is so easy. It's so easy. And it's almost unfairly easy because if you have a nineteen ninety seven Camaro with yeah. an LS1. Oh yeah. You're just like that car was really great and powerful until like two thousand ten. Yeah. And now it's just you can you're a VMP car. Yeah, it's stupid. I drove it nine hours here. Two-day build. Yeah, 93 octane, you know. <laughs> and even that's, like, a relatively old build now. They make more power on their new blowers and stuff. Yeah, like, that's an Odin blower. It's the new oh, one. Oh, is it the new one? It, 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 it literally is so efficient that sometimes your IATs go down. It's so stupid. It's, like, And literally, I was at National Speed in Richmond. They had the VMP kit. Mm-hmm. It's warrantied. I had a warranty on this. They put it on there. And what's funny is I was there for three days but we installed two kits just to demonstrate. Yeah. You know, we did two supercharger kits essentially in three days. And if it was just us doing the main one that I put on, it would have been like 12 hours, right? It wouldn't mm-hmm. have been like this thing. But yeah, it's amazing. Like, I have no fears in that thing. I just drive it everywhere. And it's weird that at any moment, 99.9% of the people you run into on the road, you're going to just dog them. Yeah. Right. And ooh, my friends, I know. I but get it drives it, but like factory. Yeah. With a 10 speed auto in it. It's mm-hmm. crazy. And then I go back to the JDM stuff and I'm like, this is so much work. You know, it's a lot different of a culture. Even for drifting now, I think RTR is showing that you don't need a clapped out 240 no. to go have fun. Just literally like. <laughs> 
T-Pain did it right, man. He got just a stock Coyote, did the wide-body kit on it from RTR, and then, or he did the whole kit from RTR, put the Fun Haver angle kit on it, and bada-bing, bada-boom, drift car, fuel, tires, yeah. fuel, tires. So I think what a lot of people are starting to realize is, do you want to spend your money on the barrier to entry and just relax, or do you want to just be that guy who maintains the car, right, mm. and just keeps fixing it? And I, th- I think especially with drifting, a lot of people have this oversight of like, it's great to get a missile car. It's awesome because it's good to learn in, get yeah. like E36 or whatever. Like a Z. Or a Z. Get the yeah, Z. the Z. Yeah, I have the most seat time in a Z out of any drift car. But dude, yeah, a Z. Here's an example. They're way too expensive right now. Just letting you know. But e-brake, like a seat, maybe. A steering wheel, maybe. An angle. And you can go drifting really well and you're good pretty much forever yeah you know it, it just wheels i'm sorry wheels tires and gas but then don't be like me i've been building a drift car for like seven years and i overbuilt it because i thought it'd be cool yeah see i could have just been driving to z well even like know? with the t-pain thing like i have no issue with the built not bought thing i never had that issue. i hate that because i don't like gatekeeping gatekeeping dumb at all so dumb we need more people in it yeah to keep it alive we don't need yeah somebody with their clapped out you know 240 to be gatekeeping drifting not it's that i silly. care about drifting at all but it brings people into the sport of yeah. cars and drifting is more accessible than ever right now like at lanier which is like my main home track mm-hmm. It's like 90 bucks to go all day, yeah. which somebody's like, well, that's too expensive. I'm like, not 10 years ago. 10 years ago to do like one drift of it was like almost 300 bucks, you know, at some, at some places. Yeah. Um, but it's just so cool that like Lanier and Caffeine Octane, it's every other Friday and they have a different layout and you can try new things. You can drift banks, you know, drifting banks as a rookie is super intimidating. I'm sure. Um, especially in a low power car because you have to haul ass to yep. get it around but Banks it's are good backwards to it's what healthy you think. it's you need, so oh yeah their time they're completely counterintuitive to get away from the wall is not how you think you would no 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 very like, different you have to commit and if you don't you're going to get sucked in mm-hmm. right and i thought it was funny as a side note like daniel ricardo who from formula one they're like hey ma- hey mate go do you know uh IndyCar, and he's like, no, that's scary. Ovals are scary. It's funny to see, like, an F1 driver yeah. be like, that is scary. Which, have you ever driven, like, a NASCAR? Like um, a Richard Petty experience or something like that? Not anything but the Dale truck when we had that. Oh, that's right. That's right, yeah. I, <laughs> I've ripped that thing yeah. a, a little bit. When I was 18, my dad, like, it was, like, his dream to drive, like, a stock car. He'd never mm-hmm. done it. And my dad's, like, a huge car guy, but he appreciated it. And we were in Daytona for spring break, so we went to Daytona and they said, Hey, are you 18? Drive stick and have a driver's license. I said, Yep. They go, Okay. <laughs> they just let you drive this. And it's a, it's great. It was my first ever lead follow exercise. Yeah. The faster you go, the more they go. And I did like 170 something. And yeah, on the oval of Daytona. And when you're there, I think the weirdest thing, like you were saying, is just you need to hug the wall, right? To really have a good line. Yep. And every ounce of you as a rookie is like, Don't go near the wall. You know, but yeah, it's scary getting close to that wall and the perception of the car is all different. Yes. And also, I think what was kind of beneficial was the one I drove. You know, this is like years ago. This is like 2009, probably. There's no Speedo in the car. And that actually took some fear away 
not knowing how yeah. fast you're going. You're just focused, right? You're yeah, focused. You're it was a four RPM. speed. Once you got into that four fourth gear, you're good to go. You're just driving yeah. normal. And I would like to do that again, like one of the more modern cars, and see what the difference is. Because you know they went to sequential gearboxes and IRS, and like it's it's so interesting how that sport is like trying to get back to the youth, and it's tough. Every time they change anything in NASCAR, the People hate it. it. Carved. They added the wing. Yeah, and people hated that. They were like, "It has a wing on it." It was 2007 when they transferred to that. Dude, well, the cars weren't that great either. You know, they were just not. Now they tried to make them look like the street cars again. I wish they just did street cars, basically. Yeah, like almost like an IMSA race. It'd be cool, like uh, how Petit Le Mans does it with Mm -hmm. those kind of classes around an oval that'd be sick it would be they could definitely do something like that but like you know toyota has a camry in there and you're like huh i'm sure that has a v6 in it yeah is that front wheel drive drive. (laughs) also i was hoping they would do more rovals right and because that just makes it so much more Mm -hmm. interesting and with a roval we did remember at daytona at uh for the project car challenge like it was in the rain and my s chassis was terrifying we pulled the parachute in leroy that's right around daytona that is that was a that was one of those days that I was like, I just drove on Daytona in my car. That was cool. Yeah. That was a cool day. See, that's what I'm saying. We need you, Rob. You're good at logistics. He's really good at logistics. He, you know, he owns a travel company. Yeah, you know, he's, he's a logistics I guy. do adventure drives with him every year. It's amazing. I haven't um, talked to Robin forever, but I would a, hope that. You want to talk about. Get him on the podcast. I'll die on the hill. He's the original car YouTuber. He that is. was successful. Because. Um, he sold. The original that wasn't like a journalist. Yes. That I think there's a very clear description. I, I put Rob into an individual, yes. like a person posting automotive content and selling DVDs. Like that's what he was but like doing. his face in it. Yes. Too. Because yeah. some people were like even Shmi, I think, started without him in it. Yeah. It and then he like realized it was beneficial to be like, whoop. And, and then, then that was it. you know, Kyle Loftus is an original like I like to give those people their flowers that they deserve. I didn't know, you know, like I, so yeah, exactly. So I just did, sorry, I did self plugging. <laughs> I just did another car culture redux kind of video about how YouTube has affected the car industry. Yeah. And I bring up Rob, I bring up Kyle, I bring up Dom, I bring up all these really OG guys and how they affected it. And yeah, Kyle did basically the same thing, but you didn't know Kyle. You didn't know what he looked yeah. like. I didn't know what Kyle looked like till years later, right? And then, because you'd always hear, so uh, what kind of powers that go for? Yep. You know, and that's that's who Kyle was. And then when I got to meet him, I love those guys. Even now, he's not so in a ton of the videos. Like, no, you could yeah. watch 20, 13, 20 videos that they just came out with, and you're not going to be like, oh, so this who is runs a this? blogger. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, they were, yeah, those guys. You know what's funny? I met Garrett before Kyle. Mm-hmm. So I was at SEMA 2014. And I was walking around and Garrett looked tired. I mean, it was SEMA and he was holding the camera. He was in his little 1320 polo. Like I had just done the Jasmine review, which is kind of like the video that changed my life. It was this crazy Evo that I drove and it got shared around the world. And finally I could like go full time. Was it at SEMA or was it? No, no, no. Just in general. Like it just came out. But in that video, I'm wearing a 1320 video hat. So he was like, oh yeah I, and I came up to Garrett and I was like hey man big fan of 1320 videos work he's like we try I'm like okay <laughs> and, uh, and it's funny how I was fanboying in a way yeah. and I didn't really realize like how the relationships all were well this and, is what I was just telling you about how it's hard to introduce you to hard to introduce yourself to somebody and then if they don't realize who you are 
then you are just a fan encounter You're just at that, that point. Guy. And I hate to be like how do you how do you get anything but a fan encounter with somebody if they don't realize yeah. that you're kind of on the same level as them? Yeah, and at the time I was I was like still a no 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 I I know exactly what you mean and I basically I remember I just gave him a little nudge I was like yeah I did this Black Eve of it and I was wearing your merch he was like oh and that's what like really yeah. kind of clicked it all together and then he's like yeah Kyle's not here right now <laughs> you know and I couldn't find him I was like damn but I ended up really hanging out with those guys in 2015. And I would say, like, I love working with all the YouTubers, but hanging out with those guys just feels like a family. You know, they're super yep. laid back, super easy to talk to. Matt is such a trip. I love, Matt is like, sorry, Matt. Matt is like my long lost brother. Like it was one at ice cream cruise. We switched hats one time and I was wearing a, I was wearing a mask at ice cream cruise. Cause I was, super paranoid because I had this really important gig the next week right and I wasn't a huge I had to wear this but I was just like just in case whatever and they were nice enough to give me this nice one so me and Matt had the idea of like let's like switch and people would call me Matt all day long I'd be like like, how's it going yeah you guys are definitely like the same height and build we walk the same way we both have a little like waddle going on Matt's a G dude I love that guy yeah I was actually just talking to him yesterday because he's in town oh right and Fred and Woody are in town right now oh man I I know. Yeah, we we gotta head out there after this. Yeah, that's um that's a funny deal because even like Gary was probably nineteen. Oh, he's when, super young when yeah. you're talking to him. Yeah, at scene at that time in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's he gonna do in Vegas at the <laughs> time? Because like, when we first were working with thirteen twenty, we were both still in college and stuff. Yeah. We were young. Yeah. We were, I didn't know cars well enough to have the position I did, mm-hmm. but I was lucky enough to be trusted. Because I knew social media enough, but I didn't know cars enough. And s- Instagram was still even like this thing a was baby. like. baby. Yeah. And now and it's food. Sucks. It was just like, let's take yeah. a picture of my food. Yeah. And now it's, it went like, it was good for a little while. Now it's back to being terrible. I hate Instagram. With the whole real stuff. It's and like bad. how you have to post basically video now. Because mm-hmm. it's trying to keep up with TikTok and all that. It's a bad, it's a bad deal. You know what I've noticed? Friends of mine who are. TikTokers are trying to get into long form YouTube and long form YouTubers are trying to get into TikTok. Huh. It's like this weird relationship of like, how do you keep people's attention for 10 plus minutes? I'm like, well, I just do it. And they're like, I'm like, well, how do you talk so fast and be like very clear, especially a lot of like girl TikTokers I know in the auto industry, like, like Christina Roki, she's awesome. Uh, Life of Annie, she's super awesome. But, like, when they do their parts and selves, they're like, so then I did this, and then I did this, and then I'm like, man, that's so much information. Like, it's like wordsmithing (laughs) as fast as you can. See, the short form is tough because we get so much data on YouTube that Mm -hmm. you can get so lost in it. So Almost too much. So much data. You see, like, a little bump in views. You're like, what was that? Like, the bump in, like, the watch time and stuff. It's easy to get buried. You could get so buried. And it's And overanalyze it. But then sometimes I sit back and I'm like, I just went too deep. I need to just think about what I want to do. Yeah, exactly. Instead of what I think. Will yeah. Do it, here's an example. So before they held the whole ranking system and all that, I remember if I had a video that flopped, it did not hit like it does now. Right. Yeah. It just because you would not. Oh, YouTube Studio, like your app on your phone. Before the days that existed, 
you would have to wait like two or three days, right, to see how your video was doing. Yeah. So you would just see and go, all right, on to the next one. Now you're just like overanalyzing it because you're like, I know. Refresh, refresh, refresh. Heard of people that are like, I don't even keep YouTube Studio on my phone anymore. I'm like, oh, you're so much better than me. Oh, I know. <laughs> it is It is a weird mental game because you're going to want to change stuff fast. You're going to want to yeah. do stuff fast. In reality, I've noticed that my videos most of the time are actually like slow burns. Like it might feel like it really bombs. And then two days later, it's where it should like quote unquote should be. Yeah. I'm like, Wait, what? That's how the podcast stuff is. It's just like, Mm -hmm. it kind of just slowly grows. Because you can come back and listen to this in a year, and it's still going to be fairly relevant. It's not... It's not time oriented. That's but actually what vlogging is so bad about that, dude. Yeah, you're out of the loop. One day, you're done. But even if I film something and I'm like, if it takes me more than a day to post it, I'm like, I'm not happy with this. And yep. that's where it's tough with doing ad reads because uh, I'm like getting the timing right, submitting it for review. It's so outdated at that point. The whole video is outdated. It feels like so. That's it's. It, I think that's a good thing you brought that up because I've always tried to make sure that 90 percent of my content is evergreen and relevant all the time that way because i did vlogging for a while in my very early stage of youtube i almost daily vlogged and i was exhausted one two they just didn't really get the viewership that my other content was doing and at i have this weird hindsight moment of if i had just kept doing that i probably it probably would have benefited me um but at that current time in the youtube realm you kind of just had to lean into what was working. And so I kind of pushed the vlogging aside and just went for the straight car Do you not think of like two channels though? I did at the time, but I just couldn't keep up with yeah. it. You like, know, that and just like cool. right now, I have a psycho one and I haven't uploaded in like a year and it's just so tough because I would have to hire an editor at that point. And it's so funny too, um, with everybody's different editing styles. Like some people can finish their video in like 30 minutes. It takes me hours. I can, I can do a video in 10 i couldn't edit a video in 10 minutes but that's also because i i know what i just filmed i don't i don't stutter a bunch i talk fluently one take wonders help too i can do one take and i know what i just filmed yeah and it's film and i film it that day i post it it's top of mind yeah Yeah. like it's completely fresh on my mind sometimes like with the podcast stuff i complete you know it's two hours of talking i'll i'm usually running multiple cameras i'm yeah going through gopro footage or 360 footage and then you have to edit the 360 footage and then like yeah people have no idea and it's so funny how uh Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
It's like the one comment that sometimes gets to me is like, your stuff's low quality. I'm like, you shut your mouth. Like, I know it's not haggardy quality, but as a one man yeah. show, I feel pretty proud of it. And so it's like the one well, thing that Well, then you look at people me. like Demiro, and you're oh, like, yeah. he just. I think he was using like an Android for a long with a, time with the, it, with his microphone across the car. I'm like, yeah, what am I doing? I know, and his are evergreen as can be. Oh yeah, those are always relevant. He nailed it, dude. I mean, like some some people just have that lightning in the bottle idea, and I think it was one of those things he realized too that he didn't need to make his stuff nicer. He was just like, I'm just gonna keep it this way. Yeah, I think his audio got a little bit better, but that's a lav mic away. You know, yeah. it's done. That's why even on this, I'm trying to refrain from, like, I don't need four camera angles. No. Like, I know a lot of people do that, but I don't know if that adds to the content. Yeah. I and mean, I hope people are listening to this. If you're sitting there watching this, you know, put some headphones in. Go do something. Go mow your lawn. Yeah, go, yeah. Go work on your car. Put your headphones in. That's what I'm hoping to get out of these. Or somebody's, like, working or you're or on driving. a nine-hour road trip that I just did. Yeah. You're on a nine-hour road trip. Things like that is what I hope this goes to. I think... This is just going back to like the work work ethic of YouTube, right? I think what really keeps me going anyway is when I go to a shoot and I see how excited people are. Mm-hmm. They're just so happy to be there. And I'm like, I'm just doing my job. Basically, to me, it's just yeah. doing my job. And they're like, oh, my God, like, I'm so happy to be here. This is so much fun. And what I what I typically do now is I'll try to film and the mountains right and what i used to do is just meet people in random parking lots and do one car at a time and it was just not practical so now what i do is i try to find a really pretty spot somewhere in the appalachian mountains be like hey who wants to come to the mountains this weekend because then it turns into like a thing they get to come it's almost like a meet right so like they if they're driving from out of state which happens a lot people don't realize i think the record right now is niagara falls somebody came from there chicago uh yeah but people come from all over and then next thing you know you have six seven cars that day and everybody's just kind of waiting for their turn hanging out and they're just hanging out and we're on this beautiful overlook and everybody's got fold-out chairs and snacks and just hanging out and it just turned more into an organic feeling and it makes it even more satisfying when people see their own car get driven. Like that's a weird feeling. Yeah. If you've never seen your car into third person perspective, you're like, Oh, so that's what it sounds like. Or whatever. Do they ever ride with you? So, okay. I give people three options. This is typically what I do. Cause I want people to feel as comfortable as possible. Yeah. If you are not game for coming and me driving your car, do not come. That's okay. There's been two instances, just for reference, that you could tell they were not all the way about it. They felt uncomfortable. They just kind of said yes because they were scared to say no. And I was like, oh. I could just be like, yeah, like, I'm just sorry. Say no, it's okay. Yeah, just say no, it's fine. But what I do is I give people three options. I say, one, I do the video by myself, and you can ride with me just for your peace of mind to see how I drive your car, mm-hmm. see how everything's going, see the process of me talking to a rock for a living, yeah. you know, and you can just be there Two, you be in the video, almost like a review podcast session, almost yep. like point the camera towards both. Cause you know, I use this three prong suction cup with my DSLR and I just aim Seen it at it. both of us. Right? I was in the car with you once. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So couldn't believe it. So I did that. And then the third is you see your car from the outside And it's not that I encourage people to see their car from the outside. I just go, listen, it is a weird experience. 
and you were nice enough to bring me the car and you trust me with the car. So just give it a whirl. If not, ride with me. It's all good. Because I remember the first time I did a car review with somebody in the car, but they weren't in it. And I was like, okay, this is a weird social moment. Like, how do yeah. I how do I do this with them here? And now I just do it in my sleep. You know, it's just time and practice. How much research do you have to do for a car? Do you just get the quick 10-minute so what I buy of the sorry to interrupt you. From them. Um, good. So, yeah, my brain is just like, well, <laughs> I actually said on one of the other podcasts, I'm like, God, I get so excited to be like, well, hey, they get to hear from me all the time. So, <laughs> so uh, typically what I do is I do homework. So if I don't know anything about the car previously, I'll get a brief history of it. I'll go, okay, this is why this car company built this car. This is who it competed against. Blah, 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 blah. And then usually it's crazy modified. I'm like, well, this is not that car. You know, and then I break it down. And then I usually get some sort of parts list. And then I'll take the parts list and then spark notes it. So basically I'll take this parts list that's this long and I'll break it down to this long. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, what I've learned over the years is that car people watch my channel. They get it, right? And so I don't have to be like, these are the valve springs. These are the rods. These yeah. are whatever. Unless it's like a crazy built setup where I'm like, this has Carrillo rods or manly rods. This has this. I rarely do that anymore because there are people who appreciate the detail. But overall, I, I'll be like, what's the most efficient way for me to say it's a built motor? Let's move on. Yeah. You know, and because the main reason people are there to see it drive. And so I'm like, how do I get to that part how do i stay entertaining at the beginning where i give the history typically if people have never watched my stuff it goes like this i usually do an intro whether it's pretty like glamorous or it's a voiceover and then it's the intro uh sorry the intro is over and then it's me driving i'm usually driving the car and then i just get it done i go here's the car this is what it's all about this is why it's cool or whatever this is the history of it here's some of the parts that make it great Bada bing, bada boom, let's yeah. drive. And then I get it done. And so that's why people, I have this weird thing. My watch time is usually pretty consistent. And it's usually because people aren't patient enough to wait for the driving part. But they don't realize that the rest of the video is driving. So it's this weird yin, yin, mm -hmm. yin and yang. Because um, you'll get one side of the audience who goes, I just want to hear you keep talking. You know, I just want to hear you keep talking about the car. The other side is, I want to see more pools or I want to see more driving. Yep. Um, and so have you thought about just like taking the first 10 minutes and doing your normal thing and then like adding at the end, like in the weeds. That's basically kinda? what I do. Yeah, so no, like nowadays what I do is I take, watchers. so yeah, what I do now is I, when I edit, this is kind of my thought process is that I'll talk some, do my first pull, talk some, do my more aggressive pull. Cause when I'm driving these cars, people don't realize sometimes I'm only driving these cars like 40 minutes. I have to learn this. I have to like sequential gearboxes, like stuff like that. You have to really nail down yeah. in a very short amount of time. So that's why sometimes I'll put little subtext going, this is me learning this. This is me in this pull. I'm ramping into this power more. Yeah. It's not like and you're then, driving these every and day. And then like usually no, by the end, that last pull is when I got it. Like here's the mother of all pulls. Yep. Right. And, or I show a really gnarly corner or a donut or a drifting or whatever we're doing. 
Um, so I try to save the best for last in a way, because what I've noticed is if I just give it off the rip, people don't stay. They go, okay, I heard it. I know what it sounds like. I don't need to stay. So, so you kind of just lose the viewers right off the kick. Right. That, yeah. is, that is according to my analytics. I'm yeah. not making an you assumption. You have the statistics. People can't be like, no, no, no. Most replayed. True. Oh, they left right yeah. there. Got it. You know. So how, how much worse is it working for OEM? I've been around some OEM, and they put a lot of um, stock into that journalist type. The, I write for this magazine. I, we were, man, we, uh-huh. were, um, we were at a couple places where these manufacturers were kissing the ass of, like, the magazines. And we already had a YouTube video out while they yeah. were still asking questions. And we were kind of just welcome. like... It's just like it's crazy to us that that was happening and maybe it's gotten yeah. better now and they start taking more stock into the YouTube side of things. I think they're finally learning somewhat. But dude, for I didn't get my first press car until 2018. Like it took that long. I've still never had a press car. And and honestly, I still kind of have to beg, you know, and I rarely because to me unless it's something really unique and really niche, I usually just don't do them because I think people kind of realize that the cars I film are more story driven than anything. They could be fast. They could sound cool, but people want to know what's the story behind it. And that's how I see it. Like what's the history of it? Why, why did they choose this car? Why did they do this? When you get a car off the factory floor, it's data driven here. You know, they did this, it pulls this many G's. Yeah. It does that. Um, so you're completely right. Um, what's really fascinating is I've been very fortunate to go to a lot of press events, like first drives, stuff like that. And that's really kicked off the last three years. It took that long. And so like when, the, say, the new Nissan Z comes out or the new Z06 comes out, Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be one of those first people to drive it. But you're right. Um, I'll never forget. There's this one event I went to, uh, and they had a super fancy dinner. I mean, I think it was like a Michelin three-star dinner or whatever. Yeah. And it was like $300 a plate if we were to pay for it. And I'll never forget. It was me and some other YouTubers. And we're like, I know we should like this. I know we should be appreciative. You know, it's like caviar and very niche food. And it's like a 12 course meal. And all the journalists were like, ah, yes, this is exquisite. This is wonderful. Blah, blah, blah. Very bougie. And all of us were like, hey, can we go get room service after this? Like, it just shows the like the type of person of being catered to. And I mean, the film industry is very much the same. Like, say you have what's called talent, an actor, an actress, they will be treated like their babies, right? They'll be like, oh, do you want all the green Skittles only in this package? And you see it. It's really bizarre. And it's not as bad as that. But with OEMs, I've, I have really I think good journalists think through that, though. I agree. I agree. I think not, most not, of them think not that all of them, level, but I, I don't want to throw amount. shade. But there are a few that I have met who you don't do, have to. I will. They, throw get, the shade. Well, they, they give that kind of vibe of like, oh, you just film YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, 
Well, so do you. You know, that's where you bring it in and going, yeah. you're doing the same thing, except I'm doing it for literally a tenth of the budget in the same viewership. And I you own know? this. Yeah. Like, and it's mine. <laughs> yeah. And what's really great is I don't have to cater to anybody. I can be honest. Yep. I, and like, um, you know, bad I felt about like, I drove the new Nissan Z. The car was the most excited about last year and I just started saying some things I didn't like about it. Like I felt bad, but I, I I owed it to my audience to tell the truth and I can tell the truth. And the cool thing is, is Nissan was cool with it. You know what I mean? They're like, Oh, we get it. We get why you didn't like that thing. So-and-so, I mean, we don't really like it, but we get it. Yeah. And, um, it's usually an accountant. That's the blame. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is one of those things, (laughs) right. But I appreciate Nissan inviting me. It was cool. It was great. They treated me like a freaking King, right? They put me in a nice hotel. They did all these things, but it's one of those things where if I go to a hotel or, or like, say you get picked up by a limo driver, right? I feel weird. If somebody picks up my bag, I'm like, I got it. I was right. I'm a big boy. I can pick up my own bag and stuff like that. Well, they want to make you feel obligated to say nice things about them. Right. And they treat you that well. It's hard to be like, it sucked. Do you know who does a really good job with press events is Toyota. Toyota does really good. And that's not me saying like they treated me well. They did treat me well. Um, You know, he'll probably not care if I share this story, but um, Mike Tripp, who's like, one of the head honchos at Toyota. He's one of the nicest executives at a, at one of the big OEMs I've yeah. ever met. And I'm at Long Beach Formula Drift, and the night before was the Corolla GR unveil. I was very excited for this car. They come out. They nailed the unveil. It was fun, short, and sweet. Great Here's car. our car. Gr- amazing car. They do donuts in front of us. Hell yeah, they're using it. Yep. They're doing all this cool stuff. Oh, yeah, by the way, Turk's drifting is tomorrow. Go see it at FD. And then he won. Like, it, it's rainbow, right? Yeah. I come down the elevator to go get breakfast, walk out, and there's Mike Tripp. I'm like, uh-oh, am I in trouble? Because I used to kind of make fu- poke fun at Toyota because they weren't making anything cool, yeah. right? They're building just like Priuses or whatever. There's no sports cars they for like stopped 10, in like for like 10 plus years. Yeah. And he came up and he's like, David? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, how's it going? He's like, hey, man, I just want to say thanks. I'm like, thanks? Or something along those lines. If Mike, if you're watching, I'm sorry. You said something really nice. You said... You said, They're watching. Come on the podcast. Yeah, I know. I said, "Hey, man, um, what do you mean?" Or he, he just was really cool about me talking kind of smack about them. Yeah. And I go, "What changed? Like, what changed at Toyota?" And he's like, "Heating breakfast with me." He goes, "Leadership, better leadership." And then he broke it all down for me like a normal person, not like yeah. some like, "Well, we in our reports here, like." I don't care about that. Tell me what happened. And he goes, we just wanted to build cool shit again. I was like, thank you. That's it. I, I really respect Toyota for doing that because they, from my opinion, have the ability to build the coolest shit. Oh, they totally do. And yeah. there's some companies lately that have gone the opposite way. Um, the blue square is one of them. Uh, <laughs> General Motors kind of really dropped the ball on their whole performance division, in my opinion. Yeah. Ford, still doing great. Still doing good. Yeah, Dodge, you know they're they, on something. They dude. make horsepower, but the rest of their cars, are, the rest of the build, they're yeah. They can do horsepower, but everything else kind of suffers a little. Yeah, and and what's crazy though, but I I will say 
I admire Dodge for giving up trying to be something they're not. Yeah. Like when they finally figured out that the Hellcat motor works, you're like, why are we trying to be like race cars versus the Camaro and the Mustang? Like, let's, mm-hmm. just, let's just ditch this. Let's just, just be dumb. And that's what I love. Like, they're just like, yeah, let's just throw this in everything. And it's funny. That could either be a criticism or it could be like, that's genius. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. And so when they leaned into the freaking Demon 170 the other day, I'm like, that is rad. That's cool. I have some gripes about that. I, I, I do, too. But, I have a but it's big more, one. I, but I have the principle. The principle of it, I think, is cool. And the thing is, is. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't show the ETs. That kind of, I can't that get really that bothered me. And um, then they put it up. They put up what they claimed, like it yeah. just did that. Like it's been eight fifty, and then they just put it up there, or yeah. whatever, whatever they I said. I don't know. I was like, that's a weird thing to do. It was. It was a little bizarre. Um, but to me, like it went like a ten yeah, when you look at it. It yeah. went like a ten o, which I, I will, is fast. I will say though, I feel like maybe. The perfect conditions, the perfect driver, and the perfect everything. But I'm not defending it. I'm just saying I guarantee you that's why they didn't show it. Because there's no guarantee it was going to run that. There was a guarantee it wasn't going to run Right, right. (laughs) That's what was guaranteed. But I think the actual theory of selling an 1,000-horsepower car is just bananas, right? For that price. It's not cheap, but for that price. Unfortunately, if a Tesla Plaid would have beaten it down the track that night... Yeah, that wouldn't have looked good. It just hurts. Because you could do that with a Plaid and run back-to-back-to-back. Yeah, Kyle from Boosted Boys, what are you doing? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So it's like, yeah, it's cool, and like it does like a wheelie, but... I, I will know. say though, for Joe Blow that just wants to buy a car, just be done, be loud like, and yeah, obnoxious. That's what it's for. Yeah. So like, I never take. I mean, okay, there is like the Cobra Jet program, which is crazy, right? It does like eights consistently. Yeah, but no that, but VIN number, right? No VIN, just like yep. the Copos, same thing. I get that. Like, hey, I made it in life. I don't feel like building a car. I just want to go drag mm-hmm. racing and be consistent. Great, go have fun. But yeah, the fact that it's street legal and all that, that's going to be interesting yeah, it to does see make what it, it cool does. With a parachute. And the parachute. They, they cool. do good on the marketing sense to the people that don't drag race. But I think that's what I like about it. It's not so much the car itself, right? It's more like the marketing behind their strategy because they're just like, we're crazy and we know it, you know, kind of thing. I'm a little skeptical of the timing ish deal, though, because somebody in the booth had to type that in. Put mm-hmm. it up on the board, mm-hmm. and NHRA runs that track, and they had to basically give that a stamp of approval, yeah, to put up a fake time. Oof, big oof! Because it's not like I drag race all the time. If somebody did that for me, I'd hope to be called out. <laughs> I would I, deserve to well, be called also, out. Also, I think. It hits home for you because to get an eight nine for you at first is like God dang it, you know, to get it there. Yeah, yeah, because people are in their garage or shops doing it themselves. To do even tens being an EPA legal vehicle is a cool it's thing. Pretty bananas. You can yeah. lean into that. I'm okay with it. But claiming something you're not, mm. I get a little yeah. I, I really want to see the real world results, like people buying them, mm-hmm. going to the track and seeing what happens. That's it's gonna be, what I want. It's going to be hard. Yeah. And I was at TX2K that weekend, and I was like, man, it would have been really cool if they brought one out and ran the streetcar right. class. Oh yeah, because it makes sense. An unveil. Yeah. Go run a class. Go put somebody in there. Have them freaking run. Is that the, the class that's like four thousand 
plus pounds. They have a heavyweight class. Okay, yeah. And then they have a streetcar class, and they split it up A, B, C, and D. So they could have put him in D class, which is like an 890 to win. Go run (laughs) that. No, it wouldn't be consistent. (laughs) The heavyweight, no shot, because a CTSV won that at went 730 <laughs> at 4,000 pounds. And we're just like, yeah, it's a sedan. And that Viper went 680 at 4,000 pounds. So crazy. And he was like, should I go in the heavyweight <laughs> just to be that guy? There's some good racing this year, though. Yeah, it was a good yeah. event. Well, bad with rain, sleet. Yeah. But I, I, only, I, wa- I only watched the YouTube videos. I wasn't there, to be clear. Are you a car enthusiast looking for an exciting new podcast to listen to? Check out the Test Drive podcast hosted by Lebo Dead. This podcast is packed with discussions about some of the most iconic vehicles in automotive history and inside knowledge from behind the scenes. From the Mustang to the Camaro, we cover it all. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Listen to Test Drive on your favorite podcast app today. Yeah, that's fair. I'm going to take a quick break. Pee. I'm going to pee too. So do you think some car companies should not EV? Should stay away from oh, the yeah. EV market? Totally. I feel like they're all totally. on this like bandwagon that nobody else is on. So I have been, I have something to admit. I have been very up and down with the EVs, like emotionally. I have because, no problem with them. Okay. So I think on the surface level, if I can nutshell the explanation, I think EVs have a good place. Like, if you're local, like, going to work, blah, 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 I totally get it, right? It's great. Yep. What I have a problem with is where they get the material. So the more I dig into it, yep. and, and also, going back to OEMs, I get to go to a bunch of press events now, right, and unveils and stuff like that. All they talked about last year was electrification, and I was getting so tired of it, right? Not because I'm against it. It was just like... Talking about something else, yeah. right? And it because everybody when they would talk about it would sound like they were like the first people to do it, right? They're like, "We're advancing the so and so." We're like, "No, like, it's like a twenty no, year old, right?" At this yeah, point. and at the same time, the big one was this is a big reality check. So I'm at an unveiling. I'm not going to say which one it was, but I'm, I'm I'm at an unveiling for a different car. But before then, they unveiled an EV. And there's this guy next to me who. You ever see somebody, like, at a car event, you can be like, they don't look like they're really into cars, but, Mm. you know, whatever. Yeah. So I I always try to be friendly with anybody I'm sitting next to at an event. I'm like, hey, man, like, where are you from? He's like, oh, I I write for this magazine, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, you excited about this sports car they're about to unveil? He goes, oh, no. Why would I ever be excited about an internal combustion engine? Like, that's ruining the earth. Like, why would I ever do that? And I look over, I go, what was that magazine you wrote for me? It was like an only EV magazine. Ah. Like just echo chamber, like crazy. And when you learn that, okay, like fossil fuels Do also. Yeah, no, fossil <laughs> fuels also can get sourced in unethical ways. We know that. Yeah. But the thing is with me is, yes, we're all guilty because of the phones and our laptops yeah. and everything else. But what I do have a problem with is the demand. When you're taking 73% of the cobalt and lithium from mines and slave labor in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, I have a problem. And at the same time, I go, 
okay, so the phones and stuff, all the companies pretend like, you know, it doesn't come from They're there. They're so ethical. It's so, it's whatever. Like, we get so it, ethical. We get it from Australia, which by the way, it's only like, don't, don't fact check. I know it's somewhere in the 70%, yeah. but 3% is ethical, like in Australia, for example. And like, that's it. And the people, these poor people are no protective gear, no shoes. Lithium is, yeah, lithium's toxic to your lungs. It just goes on and on. I could go on and on. But yeah. the point of the matter is, is when you have a bunch of people who pretend like this is the high and mighty way, and then you ask them point blank, where do you get the stuff? Like where, what is your supply chain? Where do you get it? They go, Oh, like they always avoid it. Yep. Most people avoid it. Cause if you take one iPhone and then you take one Tesla, not shooting shots at Tesla specifically, but just as an example, or a jumping off point for this. Right. That's like a uh, thousands times more lithium yeah. and cobalt. Right. And so, and then you realize that our grid can't handle it. It just keeps going and going and going. Right. And, I think, like I said, I think there's a time and place. I think Mazda was really on to something with Skyactiv, their uh, internal combustion engines, which were like super high compression. You'll find it like the Indy Miata, stuff like that. And their emissions are pretty low, including its entire life cycle, like its entire life of, let's say, 200,000 miles or so. Then you look at building one, you know, Getting the materials from here, getting the materials from there, all co- putting it on Shipping a ship them around the world. To around the world to like everyone knows solar panels are not great either. They like, take as like an ninety example, years to finally be worth to, it, and right? They last like thirty, and not just to, and also like the big thing too is, are they really going to be recycled? Are they really? It's one of those things where renewable energy, I get it, but if you look at getting fossil fuels, getting this. There's no clear solution. I want to be very... Corn-based fuel. Right, but... Great solution. I was I was on the side of hydrogen for a while, but then I learned how they got the hydrogen. I'm like, okay, that's not great either. Corn-based yeah, fuel. Yeah, but then, freak it. Thanks, Konezek. And then uh, along with um, Porsche, you know, doing the new synthetic fuel, which is very promising, but it's too expensive. That you do, I think it's just they take water and air essentially. I can't forgive me. They do a really clean process to make this gasoline, but it's like 40 bucks a gallon or something. So that's not practical and it's going to take forever to make it for the whole world. Yeah. So yeah, I could go on a long tinfoil rant about all this stuff. It goes, it gets endless. It goes endless because, you know, it goes the same with powering your house. You could argue for nuclear. You could power. You go argue. Well, fusion's almost here. Fusion is not. Almost I'll argue here. for the nuclear every yeah, day. Yeah, me too. I am a hundred percent on the side of yes. it. I have friends who work at plants who who break down everything that happens there. Mm-hmm. And they're like, listen, it is the safest thing ever. Now, it, yes. we're not in a Soviet-run country where nobody cares about mm-hmm. anything. You know, Chernobyl and the Three Mile Island, like that. Of course, that's terrible. But, but that was like we're 80s. we're we're going to talk about history, and I'm going to go super yeah. into it. But yeah, I think times have changed, protocols have changed, people have changed, and with the car stuff, as long as car companies were just like, yeah, we'll sell some EVs and we'll still sell some of these, mm-hmm. but the way they present it is combustions the devil right it is the worst thing ever and like it puts you all it advanced humanity more than any other invention ever and yeah 
and also emissions are down from around the world since 80 years ago because of catalytic converters and all that. And we don't have lead-based fuel anymore. No, and China. China yeah. pollutes more than pretty yeah. much anybody who's a wealthy country. But also, if you want to be good for the environment, don't have a car. Go live in the city. Used public transportation. Oh, my goodness. Wow. You don't have to drive a 6,000-pound Tesla around for one person? But, but they're going to rebuttal that, Cooper. They're going to say, but the United States doesn't have a great public transport, which they're pretty much right. Go live in a city. New York City has the best public transport. Every city. Yeah. Yeah. If you live in a city, you can work in that city you live in. That's the only way to really... As Tom Segura says, bikes, <laughs> you know, yeah, on a bike, yeah, on a bike. I got bro. an electric bicycle and that thing's great. Oh yeah. I and think, it only has a battery this big. Yeah, for instead one of, I don't know, a whole skateboard, yeah. you know, and, um, that's kind of where, that's where I always get the thing. I'm like, there's no shot of 5,000 pound vehicle for one person to get around is ever going to be the most efficient There's way. no way. And it's really weird. Like seeing an electric scooter? So Great. you talking about journalists earlier, it's weird seeing some people drink this Kool-Aid. You know what I mean? They're like, we have to end combustion. It's the only way. And mm-hmm. I'm like, not right now. Like, we might find a solution in the future, but right now we're kind of stuck with this. Yeah. Or we just find a way to get other countries to stop polluting as much. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to happen. See, I'm not super worried about the pollution. I think we're very, um, I think as humans, we think we're really good at destroying things. And I think it's, I think we're not as good as we like to think we are. We're very right, in our own right. way where we're like, we're so good at destroying the world. We, we get destroyed in five years if yeah, we wanted to. I do want to be clear, <laughs> like when it comes to climate change, it's one of those things where I'm very like historical about it. Right, I'm like, well, the Earth has done this and it has done that. Do I believe that we've probably dynamic? Right. Do I believe that we've probably did something? Yeah, totally. I do believe we did something. That's my opinion. But do I think it's apocalyptic? No, I don't think it's apocalyptic at all. Yeah, I think the Earth will laugh at that. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm in this weird. I'm very bipartisan with almost any issue, right? Because I like hearing arguments with both things, including EVs, but. What I have noticed with EVs, we're going down. Nobody has a good, solid argument. Nobody has, like, other than that's bad, right? They don't go, that's bad. I'm like, okay, tell me why this is better. And they go, well, the EV vehicle is more efficient. Well, duh. But the technology, yeah, because you only have two little motors and whatever. But getting it there, that's my issue. Toyota nailed it, what, 20 years ago on the Prius? Yeah, it was perfect. It's They have hardly changed it. It's yeah, like it's, without yeah. flaws. <laughs> yeah, the, the Prius is really... Okay, by the way, I got to see the Prius, the new one, before it came out, and I hated that I liked it. I was like, they pulled the tarp out, I was like... Oh, no way. Like, it's a nice-looking car. But even, like, when Priuses came out, people were like, yeah, but how long are they going to last? You see ones on the road Forever. that are still way old. Yeah. And Priuses don't seem to have that many issues. Mm-mm. They seem to just keep on chugging away. Bro, one of my friends, his name's Alex, he has one, and he has beat the ever-loving snot out of it and, like, got off-roading it and all this. Yeah. It's fine. They and just get handed down. They don't yeah. disappear. No, like, he bought that car for a grand, and he just drove it around. See, and think about it. It's great because he saves so much gas, blah, blah, blah. Yep. I think the future is going to be, in a nutshell, like, we're going to have our toys, and then we're going to have our daily whatever it is. 
but that's kind of how it is now. So it's so going to be tough for it to be an electric car, especially like I out know. here. I'm in. I'm kind of like yeah, what farther are you gonna out, do? and like you know, the electric's probably not going to be good enough for everyone. We get hurricanes and stuff. It's see, they, that's the factors that <laughs> they don't think about. They think of L.A. They think of New York City. They think of oh, you're only driving a few blocks. Like, why do you need a combustion motor? They don't think about. Joe Blow in Kansas, where they can't even get 93 octane, right? And I the best argument I heard was instead of trying to get Americans to buy electric cars, why don't we try to get people in third world countries to buy electric scooters? You know, them things that are two stroke and burning oil and stuff. Like, oh, yeah, that's a funny switch. Like, a city, like, you know, like Like India, you see Johannesburg, or exactly. Like if you switched all those guys to electric single person scooters, you'd probably yeah, you probably and all of a sudden that whole place would be more livable. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I'll never forget though, man. I, I went to China in 2016 and I flew in. I looked out the window and I said, "That's a weird call out." Oh, that's smog. Like I saw yeah, thick smog my very first time because I think it's. I remember seeing LA have some. Back in the day, but yep. not like anymore. It's not really the same. It's not as bad. Yeah, you used um, to just sit in the valley. Like yeah. you would look over it like bad, bad. But now but now that's like when you fly into Beijing, it's like twice as bad as that was. And you're like, How do people live here? And yeah, but I think people are limited. I was told this by a citizen. I don't know if it's true, but they were saying they're limited to like driving their car one day every other day or something. They needed to carpool and all this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a country with a billion people. You know, what do you do? Yeah. And they're all very close quarters. <laughs> yeah. They all, most people. The U.S. is li- pretty spread out. We're so spread out. Like most countries live on one coast. Yeah. Like, I mean, Australia is an exception because they have Perth over they here. They still kind of live on one the, coast, but, though. Yeah, mo- most people live this side. Yeah. Uh, or I guess this side. There's you nothing know. out no. for the most part. It's more farming out on the other end. And Even most of it is just nothingness. Just outback, like, the mines. U- the U.S. is the ultimate one. It's the number one market people want. At the same time, it's the ultimate testing ground for this technology. Because... You know, when it came to Tesla really coming, you know, blowing up, I remember it was like that. Like, it was weird. Yeah. Because they had the Lotus-based After the roadster, roadster, and it could go, what, 40 miles? It couldn't barely go anywhere. And then the S, and it was just like the S forever. That was it. That was it. They I still mean, haven't changed that thing. No, I saw a first-gen S on the way down today. I was like, oh, yeah. Had all the chrome trim on it and, and all the grill. that. It actually yeah, had, the, like had a, a grill. grill. I remember how controversial that was when they removed mm-hmm. the grill. They're like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. And now I like it more without it, I think. It's a very aerodynamic car. I'll give them that. I mean, they did they did go on that. Same like the Prius. I think Fisker designed it. I'm pretty sure. Ah, Fisker. He's an interesting dude. Have you seen the new cars that they have now? They're, yeah, it gets owned the by a Viper, Chinese company. The one that's like Viper based, and then they uh-huh. have one that's LSA. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, they have two cars. That one has the the it's a legitimate Viper based vehicle. That's crazy. So you could still almost buy them, but they're really nice inside and stuff. I'm pretty sure it's still Fisker nameplate. Yeah, but that was a weird car. Yeah, it was super weird. You know, the lead singer ACDC down here had that. Really, he had a, a Fisker, Fisker Karma. And then they had the solar on the roof. Yeah, it's so weird. That was at least fairly smart. You'd think solar on a roof of like a Tesla would be smart. That yeah, you'd think hot. so. You'd think so. There's a lot of, uh, 
If they're not doing solar on their roof, they must know why. It's a good uh, indication. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's such a weird topic to talk about in general because we're car people. We have inherent bias to that. You know, like we love racing and we love all this stuff. Yeah. But yeah, the EV stuff, I'm still like, I, I, it's like this. My soul is like the stock market about it. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that makes okay, that doesn't make sense, and it just keeps coming back. Like I like what the Corvette did with the hybrid. I think that's a good the E-Race route to dope. take. I think the E race sick. I was like, yeah. there you go, because it took the philosophy of the 918 that I touched on earlier yeah. and trickled it down. And it's like what the fastest year to 61 right now. I there was like think? a big hybrid push for a while, like. The supercars, I, they did the, the LaFerrari, the P1, and the then the 918, and then it Trinity. just stopped. And yeah, because it's funny, I, I met a, a race car driver for Lexus, I think a year ago. He was like, I really wish we just all went hybrid. Because I mean, we could still have our sports cars, yep. they would probably be way faster and just be fun. I am big on hybrid, I think that's the move. Me too. But not like I8 hybrid. right. or not um nsx hybrid fun fact corvette hybrid i rode in the first i8 in america back in 2014 and i was in Times square and it was cool seeing people's reaction but when you told people it was a three-cylinder they're like what because i think in the movie in mission impossible ghost protocol that's where it really kind of showed its concept car um and it's pretty close to the concept i was pretty surprised um yeah, it made like a V10 sound in the movie or something, or something electronic, like an EV, like, yeah. ooh. Like some cool. And then you get it and it's like, <laughs> good opportunity or missed opportunity. Good looking car, too. I think it's a cool looking car. I love the front, especially. They're the pretty front good looks looking cars. Sick. Those will go down eventually, I think. Yeah, I think they're um, they're in a weird spot for sure. There's a couple cars like that. There I think the one- NSXs are in a weird spot, too, though. Man, you know what I wish Acura did with that? If they, d- I know it's completely impractical. I wish that they went a simpler route with that car. If they did like 70 grand, 60, 70 grand manual mid engined and just called it, yeah, they would have sold so many of them. I they, feel like, yeah, like what they did with the first one, they could have tried to replicate that even a little bit. Yeah, with some like, modern tech in it. Try to capture that again. The problem was is that <sighs> problem was with the NSX is it was a really good car. I drove it and I was really impressed by it. But the problem was on paper, if you're a buyer looking at the statistics, you know it was nearly identical numbers wise, an R thirty five. Like to the tenth right zero to 60 yeah. everything else they're like why would i pay three times as much when i can just get this i think that was like the first woman designed car oh was it yeah like woman designed sports car the torque vectoring in that car is amazing like when you're on a road course but that's the only way you can feel you it. never see them no never no see that's things. gonna be one of those like whoa cars i feel mm-hmm. like later in life but yeah, they were just super underwhelming for people. Plus, they spent, what, 10-plus years developing it. They couldn't make yeah. up their mind. They had to change the body again. Just like the LFA. LFA was the same way. They went aluminum first. They said, oh, screw that, blah, and went to carbon. Yeah, but those things are again. still so cool. They're so But cool. nobody wanted them. Which is crazy. But they were a like, lot of they're money. They are $500,000, yes. but now they're like You're comparing million. them to like a V12 from Ferrari yeah. or yeah. from Lamborghini. Yeah, what's really unfortunate is that, yeah, those cars were priced out of existence. And yeah. there's only 300 of them or 500 of them? Very few. 
Less than a thousand. The I'll LC five hundred is very that similar looking. That car is awesome. Like, and those don't get so any good. credit. I no, feel like every time I've reviewed one, it's been like pulling teeth to get people to watch. They it. get no credit. No, because I don't know. Maybe okay. It is expensive. It's a hundred thousand dollar car. Uh, the one I drove was ninety three, mm-hmm. and I drove the the Spider and I drove the hardtop. I drove the hardtop on Road Atlanta, and it did great. I was surprised, yeah. but. Dude, the interior super cool. The door cards have this like organic feel to them. I'm like, this is a beautiful car. The back of it is very LFA. Actually, no, it's very FT1 before we got the Supra. Yeah. Um, that is like, excuse me, that is like closer to the FT1, I feel like could have been. I think 90 grand to 100 grand is the new 60 grand. Which is crazy. Like yeah. in the last like three years, a new car, 90 grand is the is three years ago 60 grand car bang for your buck wise supercar level of like excitingness i remember like my wagon my god i think i paid 56 for that car okay that seems fair and for that car that feels cheap now that feels so cheap for what i have my 10 speed car was 30 so i stole that thing right um but like if you want like a new GT five hundred, which is yeah comparable to what money. a V one wagon a, a V two wagon was at the time, like level of car, I feel like you got. They're what one twenty. They were supposed to be under a hundred. C seven zero one what two fifty, and that's actually ironic. A very comparable car. Um, I've driven them back to back before, and they were. I don't mean like comparable exactly on like, oh, you're going to, you know, performance wise, but like when they came out and like what they kind of offered, supercharged auto, Um, but they're 220. It's insane. It's insane. It will so do a quarter of a million dollars. The new Z06 going for 300. I mean, I drove it on track. It was awesome. It was great, but it wasn't 300 grand to me. I mean, I don't have 300 grand, but at the same time, it's like. No, I had a great time. Thanks for the thanks for the ride. You know, kind of thing. You can buy a Huracan for that for less. That's the problem. It's the you badging buy, war. You know, you're like, I could go buy a exotic car for this. You can buy a Huracan and room to grow to like yeah. a twin turbo Huracan for oh, the same big price. Time. And they're getting very affordable now. Yeah. Dude, you used to pay three hundred to twin turbo your Huracan. Yeah. You know, it's now you can DIY it. They sell kits. What world do we live in, Cooper? Yeah. It's crazy. I talked to um Aaron at Ninth Moto about this. I was like, yeah. it's it's almost you're so deaf to them because there's so many. Like you Dude, go, it was a, it was like, like seeing a ghost when you used to see him. Yeah. Like when you saw a twin turbo Lambo, you're like, that is the rarest thing I've ever seen. I don't know how loud that is back there. I remember in the nineties, and look, this is all relative because money was different. Yeah. But I remember one of our neighbors got a Mercedes SUV. This is probably in like 1998. And I remember my mom going, they really can't afford that a $30,000 car. I don't know why they bought that. Mm-hmm. I was like, 30 grand. Wow, that's so expensive. Because, <laughs> you know, our yeah. Windstar was probably 15, you know, our little minivan. And now in hindsight, you're like, wow. Uh, it's just such a different a world. Tahoe is like a hundred. It's insane. Like, why buy an Escalade anymore? My, yeah, it's silly. It doesn't make any sense though because cars have went up so much. Like, even my CTSV new was sixty. Right, I'm pretty sure. Right, and now new car of that caliper is a hundred and twenty. They've doubled in ten years. It's, Full double. It's really sad. I mean, even the used car market. I mean, we could. Everybody yeah. knows, but. 
I'm still surprised the bubble hasn't really burst that hard yet. It's still pretty up there, even for cars that should not be as expensive as they are. Zs are a great example. I've owned my CTSV since 2017, and I don't think it's dropped in value. I That's bought it awesome. for 56. You know what kind I of think remi- it's probably about you know, the same price. You know what that kind of reminds me of is Terminators. Those cars have kept their value since yep. the day they came out, and now they're going up again. And it's a plastic interior you know it's just you're getting that motor and that's all you're getting yeah if you like have like a clean fourth gen camaro now too like oh yeah basically anything 90s that's nice if you got like a nice 240 name your price it's it's so funny how like five years ago if i saw like an ad that says i'm selling my 240 i'd be all over that now i just ignore it i'm just Mm -hmm. like no i know what they're gonna ask something crazy not worth it to me dude it's a tough deal it's a tough deal so back to the journalist do you think print is just dying oh yeah or do you think it may make a resurgence because now we're so inundated with video that maybe people will be desiring to be like i want to hold something in my hand yeah yeah like analog it's like great here's a you get such quick information now that you almost kind of want like hey can you slow it down for me take a step back yeah yeah you know that's a good way to put it as well it, it kind of reminds me of a record player people are buying vinyl again right mm-hmm. they're buying record players they're buying vinyl generations of kids who never had to use them they just think it's neat and i think magazines could do that but when you talk to some magazines it's just like the, the ink the paper the money the distribution and they can just hit upload on their website or do the coding for their website and be done right so i like that idea i think that's cool because when my dad wanted to go to barnes and noble and drink his coffee at starbucks i would just go through magazines the whole time and there was something special about that there was something special about like physically going oh i'm learning about this car that's so cool but now like you said we're numb to everything I think the only time magazines I would ever be like, oh, I'm going to grab a magazine would be at an airport when I was a kid. Yeah. That would be yeah. the only time I'd yeah. grab a magazine. Even like you go to Publix and they have half of an aisle is mm-hmm. a magazine rack. You're like, really? Yeah. You haven't gotten rid of that yet? Yeah, it's weird. There's it, not something better you can put there? Especially the freaking tabloid section. You're like, how does that stuff survive? Yeah. I just don't get that. It's unless you're like some celebrity because some celebrities they actually get a cut of every paparazzi photo that gets mm. sold to a magazine, so that's kind of how that's surviving. So it would be cool to, you know, these magazines have the ability to print basically books. There's water if you oh, need. Thank yeah. you. They have the ability to print like cool things. Maybe try to make it more of a special thing to own, like and an like occasion a, like a thing, book almost like. You there leave is, it on your counter. Yeah. Like, it'd be cool to have, like, a cool one here for, like... Something hefty. Something yeah, that's a little big, more, yeah. like, thought Might out. Might be more expensive, but it's cool. Don't print as many, but print more meaningful ones. Like, uh, you know what I always liked was when they had a sports car and they had, like... I don't know if the word blueprint is correct, but it'd be, like, a teardown. Like, you could, yeah. it was a diagram everything, but in color. And, like, it wasn't, like, a user manual. Like, you could actually be, like... It would have these little... Um, the the legend in the corner like number mm-hmm. one is this number two is this i know this is a really weird comparison but bear with me i wanted to be a paleontologist when i was a kid so i was i'm still pretty obsessed with dinosaurs the and diagrams stuff. really get you yeah because i would go to the library and open a book and go 
oh, this is how a skeleton works, you know, and it would yeah. it would show me like, oh, the T-Rex's femur is here or whatever. And it's kind of like that with cars. When you tear it down, it's like this mythical creature almost. Right. And you're like, oh, so that's how they engineered this. And especially with the newer cars, with all the technology in them, the E-Ray, try breaking down the E-Ray to somebody who was carbureted cars 50 years ago. Yep. You'd be like, so where do I turn the knob? Oh, no, Dad. You just go. But then to completely go off there, I look at the E-Ray and I'm like, that's stupid. We can't tune them. Mm. I, I'm like, I have no desire. Bro. I'm like, leave uh, it. I, I don't even. DCUs are the have bane no of my desire. existence. C7s? Great. Oh, yeah, that car is still awesome. You can modify a C7 until your heart's content. Yep. Still an awesome car. But then you look at the E-Ray and you're like, I don't think anybody's ever going to be able to tune that. You're right. I Well, I think you're right. And at the same time, yeah. just lock DCUs in general, they bug me. They really bug me because I asked an engineer at the Proving Ground. I got to go to the Proving Grounds, GM Proving Grounds, mm-hmm. and uh, it was really, it was a really great experience. Where was that? Is that in Michigan? Milford, Michigan. Yeah. It's where they had the big oval for testing. Yeah. And I got to, I saw the Z06 testing, which is interesting because really cool. then the Corvette Museum and factory yeah. is down in, in Bowling, Bowling Green. Green. Yeah. Have you been there? I've been. It's yeah. great. I've gotten um, to drive on that track. At oh, NCM. Yeah. That, that is a wicked track. I it it gave me a pucker factor on the tabletop when you're doing like a buck fifty over that. I was like, we oh drove my a God. a Hertz rent a car Camaro. Dude, that's Camaro. even sketchier. And I was chasing an instructor in a four cylinder Camaro. I think it was. Shout out to Andy Pilgrim who was my instructor, and we were. It was the first time I drove the C8 ever. It was on that track, and I was like, oh my God, like. It has the little Laguna Seca style corkscrew. Yep. It has elements of the Nurburgring on it. It's got a. It's a, it takes like every legendary racetrack and put it into one. That is the most one of the most underrated racetracks in America. I think. It is a really cool spot over there. Yeah. The go, if you buy a Corvette, go take delivery at the museum. It's so worth it. It it's is one hundred percent. You get to the see it sitting amazing. there. You get to see it like out there and then they try to sell you some dirt from a sinkhole <laughs> did you get to go see the sinkhole oh they love showing the sinkhole that's Dude, the that biggest probably, thing that's happened to them I, i'm probably financially completely wrong on this but i feel like that like really saved their museum like iron hyper ironic they lost like, what two zr1s but now they sell dirt and the sinkhole experience did, did they tell you the story about that c4 corvette that was never supposed to exist uh, they probably did, but okay, anytime you say yeah. C4, I'm kind of like, okay, oh, no, you I don't lost like, me. No, I don't like him either, <laughs> no, but the story was hilarious. So basically a guy was supposed to crush it, but it was raining outside and he had brand new boots on and he was like, I don't want to get my boots dirty. So nice. I'll just hide this car in this bush over here. And no one found it for like decades. And they're like, yo, this car doesn't have a VIN number on it. It was never supposed to exist. And so now it's in the museum. But yeah, it was just in a bush for decades next to the factory and nobody noticed it. They just didn't even pay attention. Yeah, all because of some dude's boots. He didn't want to get that sad that they crushed those cars. You know, what's really sad is like when I do a press event and I'm driving, let's say I I did this thing for Ford for Ford performance and I drove. uh, What was it? Insert performance car here. It didn't have a VIN number on it. Right. And then they go, yeah, after this is over, they go get crushed. You're like, oh, like, just had this amazing experience. And you're just going to go crush them. They're like, yeah. it's the law. It's what they have to do. When we drove the um, the C8 out in Vegas, 
for the first time. Yeah, I didn't time. go to that one, yeah. They had the worst specs. <laughs> they had horrible spec options. We got this, like, maroon one with this tan interior, and then, like... That's a rough one. Like, I've white driven that dashboard, one. and we're... I was with just with like, the red Ugh. stitching? Yeah, it was just, like, rough spec. And there was some that were good, but the one that they handed us, I was like, man, who picked this one out? Like, if they're trying to show off a little... Did I tell you what happened at the Z06 of it? No. Okay, so... So I get there, I land in Pittsburgh, and we have we have you know the presentation. And it's all really nice, and it's really well done. They have the cutout, and I could look at the car. Well, they had kind of a bougie-ish dinner, but I was starving, and I don't do well with seafood, and it had seafood in it. So I eat it, don't think anything of it. Next day comes by. It's my turn to do uh, lead follows in the Z06, not the Z07 yet. This is a very important distinction. So I do, and I've never been on Pittsburgh's track, and it's so much elevation change. I went up, down, hard lefts, hard brakes. Like you're pulling a G just hitting the brakes to do some of these turns, right? And I do lead follow. I'm like, Okay, I feel a little funky, but it's probably nothing. Whatever, it's a track day. You get a little funky sometimes. Come back. Then it was time for open lapping. I go out by, and I learn the track, go faster and faster. I'm like, okay, I don't feel so good. I come back. I go, hey, guys, hate to ask you, can you guys give me Dramamine or something? Is that okay for anti-nausea? They go, we legally can't give you that. I go, oh, they go, we have these, though, and they're the stupid the bracelets. bracelets. <laughs> I'm like, guys... Those don't work for me. And they're like, it's your only option. I'm like, okay. So I put on four of them. And I'm just like, it's like a pressure point thing. The theory is. I'm like, whatever. I'm hoping. Look, I'm open minded. I'm like, I hope this works. Then it's time for the Z07, which is so much better. Like, you don't realize how much of a jump it is. It's one of those times, like the Corolla GR, the Marito edition, the you know the top tier one. You don't want to admit it's that much better because it's the most expensive one. Right? Yeah. You're like, oh no, you can just modify the other. No, the Marito is the best one, but there's only 200 of them. Z07 is the exact same way. You're like, oh my god, it drives so much better, and I don't want to admit yep. it. So we go out. It has better tires on it. It has really great aero, carbon fiber wheels. Your turn ins better. Everything's better. You're in a race car. I go out there, and now I have the track pretty much down and I'm going faster and I'm going faster and I'm going faster. And then finally to give you perspective on the spec, all red interior, all of it, the dashboard, the seats, the door cards, there's no black. It's just red and carbon. I turn over and how, you know, where the uh, pit lane is, there's a big water tower. And I remember looking up at the water tower going, I'm not going to make it. And I had a Hans device on. I had the whole nine. And I pull in and imagine a parking lot where they got like the diagonal spaces. Well, all the press cars are supposed to be parked over here. I only made it to this one. I pull over. I throw the door open and I pull the helmet. I go, and just throw my absolute brains up. I'm so embarrassed. And um, the guy who was instructing us that day was some really good British racing driver. I'm so sorry. I can't remember your name. But he comes. He's like. Oh my God, mate, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, hold on. So I go to the, uh, the press box area, like the media building. And I think to myself, you're probably not going to get to drive one of these this hard again. 
You have two choices. Do you man up and get this over with, or do you just not drive anymore? So I'm like, Steve-O, <laughs> yep. give me your soul. Went in, and I just got the business done. Just get rid of it all. Got, I tried my... Va- oh, dude, it was so bad, because these people from Chevy are in this press room hearing me going, like, in this bathroom, just honking They're it down. They're probably like, this car's great. Do, no, yeah. <laughs> so I come out. The British racing driver's like, oh, my God, you're back. I'm like, let's go. And I just went back out and just kept doing laps. Yeah. And Dude, I still felt sick to my stomach. Now, to finish the story, naturally, when you're really nauseous, an instinct is to drink a lot of water. Well, the Z06 was such a popular press event, they booked it super tight. So we had only a limited amount of time on the street. You didn't have hardly any time on the street. You had mostly track. And then my flight was like an hour later. So I had to share the car with another journalist on the street. So I would like do my car review, and then it was his turn. And which is not ideal, it's just time wise. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving. Remember, I only have like 30 minutes. And all of a sudden, I have to take the worst piss of my life. I mean, my ribs are cramping. Like I'm tensing up. I'm getting the twitch right here. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. I'm like, the Z06. I can't even think. I'm yeah. stuttering. Like, this is the most painful experience of my life. And this dude's like, dude, are you okay? I'm like, I, I can't do this. I, and I'm usually so good at just toughening up and getting it done. So we pull over somewhere, just random. Of course, in the middle of Pennsylvania, there's nowhere to stop. I try to find a rest area, nothing. And I just find this one parking lot and I just run into a field and I get it done. With and the it, other journalists. Yeah, just waiting in the car. And it must have been two minutes. And I come back. I get in the car. I pull out of the parking lot. I turn around. I go, no. It was an elementary school. <laughs> I was like, I could have been in so yep. much trouble, right? And uh, But thankfully, it wasn't on their grounds, if you're listening. But I was just like, thank God. And finally, after that, I just spat out this whole review in like 20 minutes. I just like threw, yeah. just threw it up. But that's how good the Z07 is. It made me throw up. <laughs> yeah, throw up. Couldn't even... Keep it together. Yeah, but yeah, I told Chevy, like, your car is so good. They made me throw up. Uh, and that's so funny. Uh, take me home now. <laughs> Have you driven any twin turbo C8s? Mm-hmm. It seems like... Two of them. They're not as good as the owner might want you to think they are. Seems I, like they don't yeah. make all that much power for what they are. Especially when people were first twin turboing them. I drove Mike's from Street Speed back in the day. Yeah. Uh, right when the C8 was new. He was only pushing like three pounds of boost or something. It was more like to say he did it. Yeah, just he admitted it too. He was like, "Hey guys, like it's just cool, right?" Yeah. Um, I drove Sissios. This was pretty good. It made like nine hundred wheel. Yep. Um, it cornered well. It felt pretty good. It felt natural. Um, but that was like you know a year and a half later to two, almost two years later. So like that, you could tell the R and D was there. Fuel text is really good. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. There's is really great. Good. Yep. Um, Never, never rode or drove Amelia's, but yeah, like those were like the big ones, right? Uh, yeah, that worries me with like hers because she pushed it as far as you kind of can. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, everybody She's broken the trans. Everybody was kind of talking to each other in a way, like of hey, how'd you break this ECU or how'd you do that? Because the ECU yeah. was encrypted. Oh yeah, the entire reason I told you about the proving grounds, I asked why they locked the ECUs are like for cybersecurity. I'm like, get out of town! No, come on, yeah, cybersecurity. That's the EPA. You mean pushing them pretty hard. 
Fords seems like they've tried to keep them open the most. As long as they could. The dark horse is going to be locked. I think that's part of the reason with the dual throttle bodies Mm -hmm. is because they're easier to encrypt and harder to mess with when you have dual throttle bodies. I think that was an easy answer because... We all know you don't need two throttle bodies. No, not I make plenty of power. Awesome! I make fifteen hundred horsepower on like an eighty millimeter throttle body, dude. Granted, I I have boost seventy pounds of it, but people never ever. And for some reason, people take me as like an. For some reason, people take me as like an anti LS or any other engine because I like the Coyote engine. That's not true. Hmm. I'm just saying my personal experience has been great. Right, it's been really easy. It's been like, hey, I'm throw some force induction at this, and it just works because the heads are so. Coyotes flow, are just so. They good. flow so good. I think if they were in a different car, they'd be taken more seriously by a lot more people. But a lot of people, when they don't know about, it, they go, "Oh, it's a Mustang." Like, yeah, but even the trucks, the all trucks of the two door four bed trucks, they are rip, awesome. dude. Yeah, because Garrett has one, right? He's had like three, I think. Yeah, but they're just awesome trucks. Like they work so well. They they you can tow with them because they yeah. have the ten speed yeah, and then the you put a turbo a on them and you just rip you have fun. Yeah, I think when it comes to like Bamfear Buck power per dollar, they're way up there. Like mm-hmm. if you just want power quickly, I'm not saying that there's not better options. Like if you're trying to go sevens or whatever, like yeah. but but yeah, I mean look at the we talked about the green one, right? That thing is just yep. ridiculous because that's still a Coyote platform, right? It's still stock block. Coyote. Okay, God, I forgot 20, it was stock 2,500 block. horsepower, stock block. My God, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, people just don't want to believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, you tell people all the time about that car, and I think, excuse me, burping a little bit, I think my favorite response is, that's not possible. <laughs> Typically, from the, I don't mean this in a mean way, but from the JDM side, like from four bangers, they're like, there's no way that's possible. I'm like, yeah. yeah, it's possible. Well, even from the 2J side, like, you know, I'm stock block and like, 1500 1600 is where things start to get a little like dicey yeah your time starts to become very limited sure you know they're there for you you know that there's an expiration date not too far in your future what what uh power is your camaro pushing it's probably 15 1600 okay got it it's it's not super low power (laughs) but coyote stuff that's not that high it was just crazy because it's, it's an aluminum block. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what's so crazy about it. And a lot of people think since they're so big that they're heavy, and they're not really that heavy. They're 444 pounds, I think. Aluminum it's really head, easy to remember. Block. Yeah, but I remember the first time, like, this is like in 2011 when they like first came out. Yeah. I remember somebody tearing one down the first time in front of me, and I was like, oh, I get it. Like, the heads mm-hmm. just flow so good. They're like, and, uh, Back when I remember the day I realized that motor was something else that the you know the blue oval had done mm-hmm. was there's this really scary Evo in town that everybody was scared of and I put five cars on him and I was bone stock and I was like wow because in my and three smurf valve at the point yeah, yeah yeah it was Smurf with an intake and then yeah intake boss manifold yeah that's all it was it, I will say though. Smurf by was a factory freak. It was built on a good day. I mean, that car for a Gen One Coyote, it made 430 wheel horsepower. The lowest it ever made in a dyno was 418. It was just a healthy one. It's still going. It's the yeah. same engine. I mean, it has 120 k miles on it, and uh, 
And it was boosted uh, that like yeah, you, had yeah, it. you yeah. boosted it before you let it go. Yeah. Yeah. No, I still have it. Oh yeah, yeah you I still, still have. You do yeah. still have that car. All right, yeah, yeah, I have a. For some reason, I thought yeah. you were implying. It's because I just go. don't yeah. drive it enough. But uh, yeah. no, it. Uh, yeah, all mo- like when I say all motor, I mean literally an intake and a tune. Not like let me tear this down. I, I raced this dude in a vet years ago at Virginia Beach, and he lied. He was like, "Oh, I'm only I only have this," and then we were door to door, and he beat me by like this much, and I was like. I lost, but that was sick. You know, I was really stoked. Yeah. I just raced a Corvette. Like, wow. And you're door to door. Yeah. Because the, you know, the three valve, not a chance. You know what I mean? It wasn't even the same realm at the time. Um, stock for stock. And he got out and he was like, what the hell's done to your car? I was like, nothing. And he was like, I have a cam. I have ported, polished heads, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, Damn, okay. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, I felt bad almost. They're so responsive to tuning those coyotes, and they just you'll gain pick it up 60, so 70 wheel, you know. Mm-hmm. But we can go about those all day. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk overrated, underrated cars here. So I'm curious, what do you think is um, overrated? I I don't really have an answer to this either, but it is a fun thought experiment because there's quite a few cars right now that are a little overrated. And I think, um, uh, where do you think the new Supra falls on that? Overrated or underrated? That's a really good one. So, yeah, I I have a very weird relationship with that car, too. Uh, it's a great car if you like BMWs. Yeah, yeah. So, you know what kills me about that car? Um, and I'm specifically talking about the automatic one, the one we first got. Yes. I'll get into the manual The one that we second. mostly have. Right. Um, what kills you in that car is the BMW isms. If Toyota had changed the door chime, man, the seat that's belt the thing chime, that bugged me so right? much. So if the user interface was Toyota, yes. we wouldn't really care that much. I, I personally don't think so. Once we got past it, the thing is, is every time I gave people rides in that car, they instantly were turned off. Like they wouldn't even give it a chance because they go. Mm-hmm. Bling, you know, that BMW piano chair, whatever oh, it is. That's so bright. You know, reach so for your seatbelt. I'm like, God dang it, because it's ZF transmission, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But what a lot of people don't realize is that Toyota did work on that motor in house. So that is kind of cool. But yeah, I don't know if it's overrated. I, I, I just think it's a nice car. You know, it's a nice car. Mm-hmm. I will say though, I was swooned a little bit by the manual one. And th- and I'm not one of those people who's like, it has to have a manual to be good. They changed the gearing in the transmission. They changed the gearing in the rear end. That's the transmission was tuned in how like they built it in house. It feels good. I was surprised how small that car was. It's so small. I, it's like driving a hoodie. Big. You can't see out of it. That's the number one thing that drives But there me is nuts. not many cars you can park that thing next to, and it'll look big. Like, even a Miata, they'll look about the same size. What killed, I think, most of the car they scene. They look big in photos. Yeah. What killed most of the car scene is because we had that FT1. FT1's a gorgeous car. I saw it in person. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, build this. Build this right now. I'll sell everything that I own, and I will yeah. buy this. And then they took Photoshop and free transform. And, and squished it down to that chassis. And it's not a bad looking car. I would daily drive one for sure. I like the front a lot. The the, the back looks aggressive too, but I that's I think its strongest part. Yeah, it's just weird how I because cars aren't that small really anymore. No, it's got to really make no, anything that small. I will say it gets those cars get kind of dicey at the really high speeds. Like, yeah, don't ask me. I know, but it's it it starts getting a little. It's a tiny car, but yeah, coined by Matt Farah, it's like driving a hoodie. 
because you can't really see out of it that well. I drove one. I got one of my worst tickets ever in that car. 104 and a 60. Oh, wow. Yeah. I Thanks off the record. <laughs> they helped me. But, yeah, it was in Seattle. But, yeah, as a car, it's really not as bad as we all thought. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. And the B58 has proven its worth, I think. It, it's a solid engine. Um, do we still want to call it a Supra? I do I'm still a little on the fence about yeah. that. But then I feel like a hypocrite because the G86, I love. Like, that car, if I didn't have all my other stupid project cars, I'd probably have bought one just to goof off in, put an angle cut on it and go have fun. Yep. And that car is built in a Subaru factory, and but the interior feels like a Toyota. That's the difference. Yeah. Is It's the environment you're in. And that makes you go, I'm in the new A86. Woo. Cause the dash is rectangular and it's like modernized and that car fixed all the FRS's problems. It's just such a good car. Yeah. And then I go, does that make me a hypocrite? You know, if I'm accusing them of, of collabing for the Supra, but not with this one, but maybe it's because this is my theory thinking out loud here. We were used to the FRS being that. Yep. I don't know. Because yeah, that puts it in a weird spot because uh, they were yeah. also similar. You could have had any one of them. Yeah. It would all felt like, oh, you just have the same thing as everybody BRZ, else. BRZ, FRS, GT86. Good looking yeah. car, wrong engine. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I remember because um, back in the day when I was looking at cars to trade that three valve in, I looked at those. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first drove it. And look, this isn't. Just this underpowered. Is, yeah. It. it <sighs> Especially from my point of view. My point of view is I wanted to go faster, right? Did I realize later in life that that car had its purpose? Yeah, but it just wasn't for me at the time especially. But the GRD6, I think, is so much more fun that I pimped that car out like crazy. I'm like, you want something like a Miata? That's that's my that's my recommendation. Yeah. How about this one that kind of falls off people's radars? 6 Gen ZR1. I feel like that kind of gets overlooked a little bit. Is that is or, that uh, forgive me? Is that like the one that first came out? Quote Z, unquote, ZL in, one. In our Sorry, ZL one, right? That's the supercharger. Yeah, yeah. Is that the six L, gen ZL one? Is that for like twenty fifteen ish? LT four so? blower. They still they made them up until the end. Six gen Z twenty. That was one of my six. first car reviews in Florida. Uh, it was back in the day. No, I, I feel like the six gen kind of gets overlooked a lot just because the fifth gen was kind of like a. I'm thinking of the fifth gen. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The sixth gen gets overlooked a lot. Forget for uh, what taillights is that? Is that the clear ones or the? Well, the or fifth, is that, oh, is that the prelude? The fifth, fifth gen, gen had prelude? the two where they had the four, the transformers the one four bulbs. That's how I compare. And then they switched it over to the to single bar. Single bar. I've never driven one of those. But yeah. then the sixth gen stuff is really nice. I think the newest I, current. Stuff. I like the sixth gen a lot. Um. Y- the fifth gem was when they just came back out with the Z twenty eight one, right? Well, that, that was the same that one. LS seven, the NA. No, I'm saying same body though. Is yes. that the same? Yeah. Got it. Oh yeah. No, I never think about that car. You're right. Well, yeah. So yeah. I don't know if we're on the same page. So sixth gen is the one that they just discontinued. Yeah, I like that one. Those are good cars. Yeah, I but think they're really. I think good. people don't pay enough attention to them. No, they're because they're quite. They're not quite as good as what Ford was doing. No, I, I don't think so either. But, but nobody yeah. gives them enough credit as like a good car because I think the fifth gen kind of ruined a lot of people's perception the of the taste of the mouth. Yeah, because the fourth gen they stopped for so long, and then they come out with this 
big unit of With a machine. no visibility. The longest doors you'd ever been in that are you're, also a dude, foot you're so thick. right. Do you remember Justin's, was it Stain Killers? Yeah. That thing, I remember when I saw that, like, back in the day at TX2K, like, I wasn't there on video, I want to make it very clear. The white like, one, yep. yeah. The thing was sweet, but... I just remember whoever was riding with them, you see those cheap gauges, you know, those things were bad. Like, I remember the interior did not impress me on that car. It mm-hmm. was pretty rough. But then I drove, yeah, whatever the latest ZL1 was, and I thought it was awesome. The car's awesome. Yeah, they, they are good. They're they're good cars, and I, I don't know. They don't get paid enough attention to it. I feel like everybody goes to, like, a Hellcat. Yeah, some kind. yeah. They're like, That's I want a, a supercharger, you go right to a I would Hellcat. I probably own the ZL1 over the Hellcat. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you're also in Atlanta, which we got some twisties. You got too. quite a few Hellcats in that area, but no, <laughs> that's no kind of like way. the Hellcat Takeover capital. Streetcar. Is that the name of the event? Yeah, no. You guys have like the Hellcat. I said capital. it backwards on purpose. Okay, I know. <laughs> um, another thing I was thinking about: we need more legal street car activities, like drifting. You more need like a drift car. Yeah. But what do. it's hard to go do something with just your car. That's not just a car meet or doing something yeah. illegal. Where do we bridge the gap on streetcar fun? Do you mean like literally on the street? No, or, just okay. legal, legal, ideally. Oh, there was an event at MIR, I think, years ago. It was called Street Racing Made Safe. Hmm. That was a, I loved that idea because... Not everybody likes going dig racing, right? And I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's this roll racing is the wish you should wish. Yeah. But, but to me, I get it. It's one of those things where roll racing on the street is really fun, right? And you just don't want to risk your drivetrain sometimes. I get it. Um, and I think the concept was, forgive me if I'm wrong, I just remember somebody telling me about it years ago, is that, yeah, you just roll at a 40 and basically street race all night long. And I think that's pretty cool. And... uh also, like, Ice Cream Cruise. Like, yeah. that is such a great event because it's just legal enough to make it feel like you're doing something like that. But the roll racing goes on all day. It's just so much fun. I Kyle love does ice- a really good job with that event. I love Ice Cream Cruise. It's yeah. such a good time. He knocked it out of the park with the concept of Ice Cream Cruise because that track also isn't good enough for but, like high power cars and it's a, very no prep yeah so if you're not roll racing you're just kind of no prep racing so you might as well just go roll race yeah have you done a grid life event no grid life's are great they're really good they don't really have much for me right somebody right. that drag races right i i can see that but if you're looking for just like a good time they're yeah. awesome just i think we need out. more car events that cater to people to get their car out like an ice cream cruise yeah, not I, something that's yeah. a car meet or a cars and coffee. As cool as those are, they can get fatigued pretty quick. You know, that pretty too. boring quickly. That's that's another thing about car culture that's changed too. It's like that was like the go to. Like that's all you had to do was go meet up at the the parking lot at night and just stand around. Yeah, and now people just are like, all right, so what are we doing? I'm like. I'm okay. I remember that was the mentality. I was like, I'm just chilling. I'm learning. Because that was like my learning phase. I would ask people questions like, oh, tell me about this car. See, I used to get to the meet on like Gandhi at like midnight, which mm-hmm. is a bridge in Tampa. And I'm like, okay, who I are we might racing? I have gone to that. It's just a bridge where everybody races over. Uh, at least they used to. Is that the one over the water? Yeah. 
That's where Ferretti got arrested. That would make yeah, sense. Yeah, in the 4GT bay back in the day. That would make I remember sense. I drove across that bridge one time. I was like, yo, I see why people. Well, there's like a stuff. few in Tampa, and the bridges are good because you can't really patrol them. Right, yeah, yeah. So you kind of have this like runway, but people have went off the bridge. I well. can imagine. Well, here's a loop in Virginia Beach underwater tunnels. Mm. Yeah, so since Norfolk Naval Base is there, yeah, you can't loud. build a bridge. You have to build tunnels under the water so the car- aircraft carriers go over it. Yep. And so those were really crazy because you would just like pay a toll and then go in there. Mm-hmm. It was always a good time. So I know you were, we were talking about history, and I'm also a history guy. Sick. I'm curious how car culture has been affected by, like, history and eras like i always think about years when i when people tell me like oh i was doing this i'm like what year was it because my brain immediately is like what was going on in that it's a reference point yeah and when you look back on like the gas crisis and stuff like that how it's affected cars so much going forward and how it ruined cars that are like from the 70s and engines and engineering has been pushed so much by history it's an interesting topic to go into. I'm a part of all these ridiculous Facebook pages, like unpopular car opinions and tired. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of respecting all builds, like big ultimate energy, my personal favorite. Yep. And, but somebody, had, somebody said the other day that right now was the worst time for car culture. I'm like, you're smoking crack. I was like, oil crisis is the easiest one to point out yeah. because you had engineers who just wasted their talent, right? They just couldn't do what they wanted to do. And God, could you imagine how jarring that would have been to have these badass like 69 Camaros and then been like a Trans Am that's just a turd, like a 90 horsepower. Well, turd. there was a boom into muscle cars and then they had to cut it. Yeah. It, so almost, like, yeah, you you had to like stop the boom and then get back to it. So that's where like you just ruined all these people that yeah. were onto something and they had to kind of reinvent a lot of their things but maybe that also helped in some ways because they had to get creative they had to get more creative aluminum engines smaller displacement you had to get smart with that stuff turbo technology started to look that's when the japanese really started coming in too because they're like oh we can do this no problem you know and if you look at car sales of imported cars especially during the gas crisis you can you can start seeing the japanese start trickling in because they made cars that were fun Mm -hmm. you know and it made sense and oh i can't afford this muscle car anymore but you know the skyline looks pretty cool or that that muscle car sucks anyways because it makes 80 horsepower and that's so funny like these giant displacement v8s were making like no power it's it's so ass backwards but have you ever heard about a car called the dale no what was it okay uh okay so (laughs) i'm interested oil crisis yep this is where we are a person yeah a person comes along um it's this lady comes along at the la auto show unveils this car called the dale it's three-wheeled and has, like, a small little engine in it, and she claims it can go 80 miles an hour and get, like, really good gas mileage. I can't remember the number, but it was a big number. So everybody was like, I want one. I'll pre-order it right now. Well, this person ended up just taking all this pre-order money and running. Nice. So they scammed everyone. The lady ended up being a dude, like, legitimately. Not, no gray areas here. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And it's pretty common these days. I know, but this is this is in the seventies, and they, he he was found in uh, Texas. A neighbor saw like in the newspaper or whatever about the story, 
And yeah, there was only one that existed. And yeah, it was like a little lawnmower engine or something in it. Yeah. And so they just got away with it for a while. And that car is actually in the Peterson Auto Museum. So you can go see it. But there's a really good documentary about it on, I think, Netflix or something. But on the Dale. Yeah, the Dale. Like, and they're. Their marketing was so genius. Like when you actually look at what they did, they had printed brochures. They were taking pre-orders. They're going on talk shows. It was, it was a prize on the prices, right? Like legitimately. Really? So he did that good with it, and just like they that they, was before people could talk to each other so quickly. Yeah, yeah. So it was a literal Bob Barker. Yeah, is like you can win the Dale mm-hmm. on sale next year, and they're like, oh my god. It's yeah. like, oh, joke's on you, dude. It was made out of really like, quick. I think, forgive me, uh, historians, but I think it was made out of, it wasn't good materials, like fiberglass and wood or something like that. It looked the part. Yeah, it was easy to convince people. Very much so, but it was piece They couldn't of just talk to each other real quick. So I need to put on my hat for this one. Oh, boy. Um, water-powered cars. Have you heard the stories yeah. of people like, somebody came out with one and then he mysteriously disappeared? But why though? Like that, I, I've heard this for decades. The oil industry. Yeah, I could see that too. What's okay? So this one. You can take the other kinda, one if you need. Uh, where is it? Here, I got you, just in case. So <laughs> the other one is my personal favorite. It's kind of like okay, you know, with all the, like the UAPs and UFO stuff going on. Oh, they're they're guaranteed now. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, the Pentagon said yeah, we have hundred percent no proof. No one cared. No one cares. Are you serious? No one cares. Anyway, they so said any- they're here. So anyway, what if it's the same thing with those? In that, let's say it's Skunk Works black market or not black, black budget of those UAVs or whatever they are, and they have the technology to do all this stuff without any propulsion, mm-hmm. but they can't release it because it would ruin. Everything. It would ruin Delta Airlines. It would ruin everything. It would, transportation as we know it would not exist. And so what do you do about the entire global economy that's relying on oil? Yes, all the industries would fail instantly. That's what's up. Instantly would fail. And I, 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 I can see why they would keep water propulsion a secret. Because it makes so much sense. And think about how, imagine it was like, hey, salt water. And it's clean burning. Wow. Oh, my God. What do we have the most resource of? Mm, I don't know. Gee. But there's a lot of stories about people getting to it and then mysteriously, like, heart attack well, it, or did it, something. Didn't the notorious Bob Lazar do that? I think he did that. Um, look, allegedly got UFO guy who uh, worked at, what was the, his what was his building? He said it was Area, area S4, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. His alleged story is that he back-engineered water propulsion. Water propulsion, because he built a rocket car first. He put a jet engine in a car by himself at his house. And then, wow, and then the government was like, wow, Bob, that's that's, that's some really cool stuff, Mm -hmm. man. Let me come help us out. And then he was like, oh, I built a car by water, too. Like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Let's not release it ever. Yeah, you better not talk to anybody. Well, and then you start like reading. <laughs> then you start reading about a guy named Nikola Tesla, 
And then dude, you're like, he turned dude, crazy at the end of his life. I don't know what happened. His, his uh, sleep schedule. You know, I've actually tried to do the Tesla sleep schedule. Where he's like three hours. It's 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 four hour increments. It You never do like the long. Yeah, you game. don't actually get REM right, sleep. It was, it was rough. Yeah. It was rough. I mean, I understood it, but I did it for like four or five days i wasn't like i did this for a month i did it for like a week and i was like no. there's so many crazy stories around him where they're like he had all these papers that were just taken at the time of his death he had he proof of basically like wi-fi before wi-fi mm-hmm. elect- electricity without any cable sonar like, so like cell phone phone technology was all because of him by himself yeah but it's so funny how people realize that Tesla's named after a guy. They don't realize that it's not Elon, right? Yeah, and like, he made the motor in like 1850 and they haven't even I, touched it. The only, like, even the dams, like, um, the, what's the, Niagara Falls, there's a dam up yeah, there. Yeah. That is still his technology and they've been unable to improve on it. They don't let anybody touch it because nobody can do it better than he did it in, like, 1890. Imagine going through, like, Da Vinci's book and just being like, none of this is relevant. Yeah. It's, like, the same thing, except... All of his is still... (laughs) We still need it. Nicola, come back. You looked like an alien. Come back. Yep. Yep. Well... That was a. I think we should end it off there. That's with right. Well, that was a fun hats. one, <laughs> dude. That was awesome, dude. I had a great time. Yes, please come back to Florida and visit, and we could do some uh, more hood rat shit. I'm always down. Next time, I'll just fly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have to show up in my car at least once. Yeah, you're welcome on the podcast anytime. Anytime you got something Watch cool every, going on. Every, like, month, you'll be like, hey, I'm, I'm coming. I got another conspiracy hey, for you. come on back down. We can definitely just sit here and riff about cars because that was fun. He has a turtle. You probably already know. Two of them. You yeah, didn't even see the second it. one. Oh, you have a second one? Yeah. He's a little smaller, though. But, oh, yeah. Gosh. So we'll end it off there. David, thanks for coming down. Um, dude, I always end it off. So much, Where can man. they find you at? Uh, 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 that dude in blue on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, you know, where everybody Facebook, likes to argue. All Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's all that dude in blue. It's easy. Yeah, go yeah. check him out, guys. A lot of videos on there. There's a, a lot. lot of videos on there. Yeah, name a car. I've maybe done it. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys for watching. Keep it saucy. We'll see you next time. That was fun. Yeah, dude, that was awesome. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.